It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big show today. Jets on the player break. Although we do have some breaking news about a, uh, well, now former member of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to in just one moment. Tough loss to the Leafs on Saturday night. I think the player break is coming at a perfect time for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll talk about the, uh, well, the weekend, obviously, the game on Saturday as well as this breaking news on uh, a waiver claim on a certain member of the Winnipeg Jets that found himself on the wire yesterday afternoon. Uh, And, of course, we're going to get into the Super Bowl matchup. Chiefs do it again. 14-3 now in the playoffs is Patrick Mahomes. What a performance yesterday by the Chiefs' defense in particular. And a wild game as the Niners come back from a 17-point deficit to make it to the big game and uh, set up a rematch of Super Bowl 54 in Vegas between the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, many of you know Connor, big Niner guy. So uh, we've got a little bit of a WST Bowl coming up. Connor's going to jump on later on after Jeff Hamilton uh, joins us to, uh, well, we'll get his thoughts on the weekend. And, of course, do not forget, if you haven't already, Make sure to get over to the YouTube channel or the podcast feed and check out the latest Winnipeg Jets this week. Probably the first time in a while it hasn't been filled with with victories. Kind of a tough week for the Jets last with two last week, uh, heading into the break with two regulation losses and the single point in OT in Toronto. Um, And anyways, lots of Jets news to get to. We'll get to this breaking news in just a minute. A big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Princess Auto, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Sport Manitoba, Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, and Modern Man Barbershop. Uh, shout out to everybody in chat. Welcome all. Hit that thumbs up and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Michael Remus, come on in. Um, listen, we'll talk about the weekend the game on Saturday in a moment, but uh, breaking news just as we go on the air live at 1 p.m. on YouTube. um, There's been a waiver claim on Declan Chisholm. Yeah, yesterday it was announced that they were placing him through waivers, um, you know, meaning they would have to be activating what uh, David Gustafson or Mark Shifley after the break. And you were wondering about the timing of putting him through. Were they trying to squeak him through while teams were off? And hoping, you know, crossing their fingers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, one o'clock hits and all the insiders tweeting out the news. And yes, uh, Minnesota Wild have claimed Declan Chisholm. So we will see him or we should see him February 20th uh, when the Jets and Wild play again. Uh, I think it's kind of you know good for the player. He's going to get an opportunity in Minnesota before the Jets. This is a guy you held on to for so long. We were wondering what was going to happen with all these defensemen 
this has been an ongoing thing for a couple of years now when you lose Johnny Kovacevic on waivers last season and he's carved out a really nice role with Montreal and now Minnesota has claimed Declan Chisholm. They've had a number of injuries this season and I think for the Jets has to, you know, probably never really going to play with the Jets. Huss. I mean, he's ahead. Who's ahead of him? Stanley is ahead of him. Is Villahainala ahead of him? You know, among the six stars, but I think it has to be kind of disappointing to lose two guys off waiver, you know, two defensemen off waivers who've shown to be, well, Ch- Kovacevic is an NHL player. Chisholm, he's played, you know, a couple games. We're not really sure, but it has to be kind of disappointing uh, to the Jets organization just to lose guys uh, for nothing here. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, it happens. I mean, uh, Calgary lost two guys on waivers last week. Um, yep. And listen, I mean, teams know the the roster situation the Jets are in. So, I mean, I don't think that there was any significant offers coming um, the way for um, for any of those players. A lot of people just say, oh, just trade Stanley. Well, I mean, are we sure there's a market for Stanley? Um, when it comes down to when it comes down to to, to Chisholm, um, I mean, I think you just sort of nailed it. I mean, it's just where he was on the depth chart. Like, I think with Stan, they like having him in a depth role because he's, you know, a big guy that has played before, has a little bit more experience. And, you know, if they have to run down to their seventh, eighth defenseman come playoff time, that's a guy that they want to have. Chisholm, Chisholm was in a really tough spot because he wasn't able to be sent down, but I think we all agree that all things being equal, Billy Hanel is ahead of Declan Chisholm on that depth chart. And if there is a spot for a player to go in, Billy's probably going in. I think, I mean, if we can base anything on what happened at the start of the year, Billy Hanela will be a player, a regular, will get an opportunity to get into the lineup probably before Chisholm was. Like if Chisholm did get in, and again, we had that big conversation earlier this week after Josh Morrissey had that scare against the Leafs on Wednesday night that they may have to go to a fill-in. I mean, I think of the two guys that were with the club, it probably made more sense to put Chisholm in than Stanley based on what you're missing from a Josh Morrissey. But as we've talked with, and I think most people exp- you know, explain their thoughts in chat, well, if they're going to go with the guy, the guy really that makes the most sense is Villy. So I think for Villy fans, you can be in some ways relieved that, you know, that spot on the roster and into the lineup is that much closer for Villy Hanela. But I mean, it's pretty clear who the top six are for the Winnipeg Jets right now. And Declan Chisholm wasn't going to be in that group. But what was interesting to me was the timing of it, Reem. Like I was going to pick up um, uh, Palamine uh, and uh, head on over to the game and I had OB on. And they just sort of mentioned two things. The other thing we'll get to in a minute, but one of them was that Declan Chisholm had just hit the waiver wire. And it was a sort of a peculiar time to do it in that the team is just going into the player break. And, you know, I'm not sure whether, like I think when these sort of decisions are made, you realize you're in somewhat a precarious position when that, you know, it just takes one team to make a claim and the guy's gone. I'm not sure whether because of the waiver activity in the past, you know, Calgary lost a right shot defenseman last week on the waiver wire that 
they thought maybe this was a more advantageous time to put him through because again they could have waited until you know right before going back in so at some point i'm sure maybe we'll find out why they timed it the way they did but i think everyone knew that at some point you know with a team like the jets with the guys that they had on the fact that billy was at the moose because he could be at the moose they wanted to get him back with the club and sooner or later someone was going to pre, uh, probably be on waivers and that guy's declan chisholm and uh, you know, I'm looking at Minnesota and their defense core right now, and this is from Cap Friendly as to what is on their roster. You've got Brodeen and Middleton, Goligoski and John Merrill, Brock Faber, unbelievable young player. He'll be a Calder finalist for sure. Zach Bogosian and Dakota Mermis. Now, Dakota Mermis is a 30-year-old player that's played the majority of time in the AHL on a league minimum deal. Um, maybe they send him down to make room for them. I mean, they do have a couple guys on on, on IR that uh, probably aren't, you know, picturing in the uh, or aren't getting into the picture in the next little while. So for a team, and especially now that Spurgeon is out for the year, there's probably a little more opportunity for a guy like Chisholm to maybe get into the lineup and show what he can do. So this is why they have the waiver system, folks. Um, you know, there are teams that are more stacked, that are more deep with particular prospects or particular players on, uh, you know, at the position. And it is created so that if there's a guy like Declan Chisholm that's eight or nine or 10 on a particular team's depth chart, but could be playing in the NHL for someone else, that has made the, the opportunity. So listen, it's good for him. It probably was a pretty tough year despite cashing NHL checks to play only two games and to be in the press box. So maybe he gets an opportunity to show what he can do in Minnesota. Um, this is not something that I think changes much for the Winnipeg Jets, other than once you see guys activated, like I don't think they're probably looking at eight defensemen consistently on the roster like they'd had before. But at some point, Billy Hanel is going to get called up. You know, if there is an injury, get a chance to get into that lineup and uh I guess it makes it less complicated, at least with Declan Chisholm uh, as the uh, as the guy that uh, that ended up getting picked up off waivers. Yeah, and I think for the Jets, like he wasn't he was so far down the depth chart in the organization, he was never really going to be a factor. And you're like, well, how could they lose this guy for nothing? But I don't think you know our team's willing to give up any assets for that type of player. And probably not. Maybe you could trade for like a forward of you know who's a similar level, I guess, but. I don't know, maybe, you know, we've been waiting. Okay, well, this was the number one story, not number one, one of the storylines you talked about in training camp. What's going to happen with the eighth D-man? And here here, here we are. Uh, they just did waivers. And, you know, I, you have to wonder, you know, if they did things differently, would they still have Kovacevic and Chisholm? Would those guys even be making an impact? But they have their top six. That's who's there. They haven't had inju- any injuries. So, you know, wasn't really a factor this year. and he's way down on the depth chart. So I uh, will look forward to see, see him, seeing him have success. Well, I want to say in Minnesota, but we don't like Minnesota. Yeah, uh, well, exactly. We want to see him have success, but <laughs> Minnesota, we don't like them. Um, yeah. And, and, and listen, I don't think this will be the case. As I mentioned, because Spurgeon is on IR and gone for the rest of the season. I think there's probably a space for him on the roster and potentially in the lineup. Um, but you know, as we've seen before, sometimes guys that get picked up off waivers for a couple weeks 
and then there's not a spot for them, they have to put them back on waivers. And if they're not claimed, you end up getting them back and can able to put them through to uh, to your American Hockey League team. So I guess we'll see. Um, listen, it's always fun to talk about. And, you know, in Canadian markets, we do obsess on the 13th forward or who's on the fourth line or the who's getting in on that third pairing. Um, it seemed more and more unlikely with Billy Hanela healthy, that Declan Chisholm was ever going to be in the Winnipeg Jet lineup. Um, I'm sure they kicked their tires around to see if there was any interest in trading for him. But when everyone knows he's going to probably be hitting the waiver wire, unless it's a team that is right at the end of the list that wants the player, teams are going to take their chances and see what happens. So uh, the Declan Chisholm era for now over in Manitoba and in Winnipeg after a great run with the Moose. And uh, and two games in the National Hockey League this year, and what fifty in the uh, in the press box. Tough time for uh, time for all of that. You know what? Just while we're getting to that, the the news coming out of the weekend, Remo. I mentioned I was listening to the radio and I heard one of the two pieces of news. One of which Declan Chisholm had been uh, been um, um, put on waivers. The other was that Patrick Liney had entered the player assistance program, and I know we. Talked a lot about Liney last week. His name was mentioned as potentially a player that might be available uh, to Jarmo Kekalainen in the, at the trade deadline. But as we uh, as we go into this week now, um, I think a lot of people just concerned for Patrick Liney the person as uh, he uh, put out a statement yesterday. I don't know if you have it saying that he needed some time to focus on his mental health. And as I said last week when we were talking about Liney, um, we saw one of the greatest starts to an NHL career ever. I mean, 80 goals as a teenager in his first two years here in Winnipeg. And it it does seem somewhat unbelievable that he's in the position that he is right now, struggling on a terrible team um, and now moving on. But um, as you can see there, he uh, did put out an Instagram message um, thanking uh, fans and supporters um, but he said he recognized the importance of prioritizing my mental health and well-being. Hockey's been the, my passion in my life, but I've come to realize that in order to perform my best, I need to take this time to focus on myself. So I'm, I'm really not too sure um, exactly uh, what is going on. That's not really something I'm sure people are going to be asking in media. All I know is that here in Winnipeg, there are still a ton of Patrick Line fans, of which I am one. And I just hope that he's uh, able to uh, take the time that he needs to get back to where he needs to be and uh, hopefully back on the ice in a better mental state, helping uh, his team win games and and lighten the lamp. He finished it up with just saying he's grateful for the understanding and support of his team, the league, and our fans during the time. I look forward to returning to the ice with a clear mind and renewed energy. Thanks for respecting my privacy during this time and for your continued support with love, Patrick. And... um, now, Rima, we mentioned just how much of a uh, of a difficult time it's been for Liney on the ice and obviously off the ice as well. Yeah, I know. It was a year ago, his uh, his dad passed away, and he struggled with injury, and the Blue Jackets just struggling all around. And you know, we just haven't seen him play. You know, play like the way he you know was here. And you know, we spoke at times here about you know his confidence. Uh, level and we just want to see him back on the ice uh, being the best player he can be whether you know wherever in in Columbus or you know his names in trade rumors wherever he ends up but um, that was 
just feel for the guy and you want him to, and you're happy to see that he's getting help and you want him to see him perform uh, at a very high level uh, in the future. So wishing Patrick Lanning all, all the best for sure. Yeah. I, and I know uh, everyone in chat uh, mentioning that as well. Uh, I know there's some, uh, some particularly big fans of Patrick Lyonet that are regulars with us here on Winnipeg sports talk, but um, you know, some things are bigger than the game um, and, you know, just hoping that Patrick gets back to where he needs to be and we get back to seeing him fulfill his incredible p potential that we saw here while he was a Winnipeg Jet. Um, okay, we got to get to last night's game. Listen, just before we do that, let me give a shout-out to our friends over at Canadian Club Canadian Whiskey, the original. Um, we'll uh, have some news later on this week about the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, of which Canadian Club is the prime sponsor of Um but right now, if you're popping by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, check out all the Canadian Club favorites. The original, the 100% rye, uh, the Canadian Club 12-year. And uh, don't forget, there's still limited issues, uh, limited uh, availabilities, I should say, of the CC Invitation Series. 15-year-old Sherry Cask, the signature 12-year-old whiskey finished with the secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask, all the hallmark of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry available now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, guys, if you need to uh, get a cut these days, maybe work on the beard or coloring, our friends at Modern Man are all over the city with eight locations, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. And if got you covered with whatever you need, guys, great haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more, all available at Modern Man, along with a huge selection of great products to make you look good each and every day. Um, best way to make an appointment and find out where the closest location is to you is uh, get on over to modernmanbarber.com and book your look there. And don't forget to give them a follow on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, just about into February and looking forward to uh, our friends at Manitoba Battery doubling up and adding a new location in the south end of the city. Yes, folks, it is coming. New Manitoba Battery location over on Dover Court later on next month. We'll have grand opening sale information and um, other great details of the new location when, uh, when, they, when they officially open the doors. Um, in the meantime, for all of your battery needs right now, best prices in town, free delivery anywhere inside the city of Winnipeg, the perimeter of Winnipeg, I should say, with purchases over 60 bucks. Manitoba Battery has you covered. Order online, manitobabattery.com, or you can pick up the phone, 204-783-8787. And, of course, they still do have the original location. You can pop in and see them at 1026 logan avenue all right remo let's get to saturday we've got a bit of an issue here listen i know last week wasn't great for the jets those weeks are going to happen really sucks that it happened against the leafs of all teams um but the team right now at the break still has an incredibly stellar record of 30 wins 12 losses in regulation and five OTLs uh, good for 65 points. They are two points back of the Colorado avalanche 
for first place, although they have two games in hand and are one point back of Dallas with two games in hand. So overall, the record is great. The team's in a great position. What I'm concerned about is that WST is 0-3 now in our package after losing to the Leafs. We lost in game three of the year against the Kings. That was a tough one. That Euler game at the end of November where the team was up one nothing. the crazy goal from Darnell Nurse started the, the, uh, the unraveling in the last five minutes. And then last night, Ryan Reeves, of all people, with a ridiculous tip to get the Leafs back on even keel. And then special teams was the difference as the Jets couldn't do anything on their power plays. The Leafs did, and the Leafs come out with two points. And we are sitting here with an 0-3 and a must-win, guaranteed win night, frankly, April 4th when the Jets play Calgary to avoid going 0-4. And And it's something to be said for a team that's 16-7-2 at home for us to be 0-3 on the package. Yeah, heading into the All-Star break, I think you got to feel pretty solid about the Jets half overall. I guess it's more than a half now, but by points percentage, they are first in the division ahead of Colorado and Dallas. As you said, the home record, um, excellent. But yes, we had this WST package coming into the year. We picked some great games. The Kings game for Dubois' return. Oilers getting a look at McDavid, Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada, and for the Winnipeg Sports Talk package to go 0-3 for a team that's 16-6-2. Like, is this even... I haven't done the math, but I have to go find their winning percentage at home. Like, the the chances of us going 0-3, very low, and I'm seeing messages in the chat, WST curse, all that. The rabbi curse is over. There's a new one just when we come. And listen, I've been to basically every game, so I'm certainly not owning this. I've Mm. been there for pretty much all the 16 wins, too. But listen, if we lose the game, if the Jets lose the game in April to Calgary and we want to do this again, we're going to probably have to call it something else. We're we're definitely going to have to make some changes. Um, (laughs) And I don't know what they are. (laughs) I don't know what they are. But we'll own a little bit of it. I mean, the fact of the matter is when ridiculous things like Ryan Reeves scoring, although it's not the first goal that he scored here in his hometown of Winnipeg are happening, you knew it maybe wasn't the Jets' night. And, you know, overall, I, I, I thought that the Leafs were much better on Saturday than they were on Wednesday. Um, but it still looked like a team, Remus, in the Winnipeg Jets that, you know, could, A, really use a week off away from the rink. Um. But if not, maybe cancel the entire player break and just work on the power play for seven straight days. Shout out to a couple of people in, in chat here. As Jeff Cabela says, don't worry, guys. Even if they lose every game, I'm in next year. Derek Schmidt says he's in next year. And, and big guy jokes, hope WST isn't contemplating a playoff package. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own for the playoffs, everybody. Yes. Yeah, You're so- on your own for the playoffs. <laughs> But um, as far as, you know, I just want to touch on the atmosphere. I mean, what a unique game oh my God. that was. Uh, Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, 6 o'clock start. Uh, really nice weather, too. You know, I didn't need to bring, you know, I could walk to the game from my car without a jacket, which was nice. But, like, it was, 
you know, you can hate it or love it or have an opinion either way. There was probably 50, 60% Maple Leafs fans there. I got home. I was like, was I just at a Leaf home game? No, it wasn't 50 ho- or 60%. Game? No, 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 wait. No. It wasn't 40? more than it, half. It was a lot of Maple Leafs fans. I'd say fans. 30. I mean, they, listen, every single one was in Leaf gear, and they were loud. They were having a good time. So and yes, true. there was more I, more than any others, but you know, like, let's not, let's not look, get crazy I'm, here. I'm so bad at estimating crowd size they're like so what do you think of the crowd how many people do you think are this game I'm like i have no idea so sure there, there was a it was a lot of league fans yeah because they won they're all standing it was certainly overwhelming but what a unique atmosphere i got home i was like was i just had a leaf home game like it felt so weird and it did seem like the jets you know got off to the great start with the samberg goal and then you know, Ryan Reeves bringing flashbacks to the 2018 Western Conference Final with that tip in. Uh, sorry to bring it up. Uh, you know, really changed things. And you know, that was a strange play where it looked like Morrissey had control of the puck. Hellebuck pokes it away uh, from trying to get out of harm's way, and it goes right to them uh, for a tip in, right to the Maple Leafs. And then they had, they seemed to get all the momentum. They score right away after. And then the goal, seemingly controversial rule to disallow uh, the Bertuzzi goal. And you know, it was special great teams. Great it w- call. It was a great call by, uh, yes, the situation room. But as you said, special teams, we've said it so many times this year, a factor uh, for the Winnipeg Jets uh, going 0 for 4 on the power play. The penalty kill goes 1 for 3. You know, Toronto scores 2 on the power play. The Jets power play 24th in the league in so many games where they have a chance to, you know, take a lead or, you know, get back into a game with the power play and it just hasn't been able. And then it's funny. I go home and watch the late game and it's Vancouver down three goals against Columbus, but they score three power play goals in the third period. Seemingly an unheard of feat for the Winnipeg Jets. So it can be done. And yes, this player break coming at a, a needed time with Mark Shifley out. Um, they really have, have missed him, you know, totally. So uh, hopefully they can get this power play figured out, but we're more than half a season, and they've known this was an issue for a while. So I don't know, I don't know what you do here. Well, yeah, you bring Mark Shifley back. That will be a great start. Um, and again, we're going to be talking more. And it's interesting to get into Jeff's thoughts on, uh, you know, the need to potentially add earlier than the deadline. Um, I mean, again, the teams, you know, it's in. They're in a dogfight right now, three-way race for first place in the Central Division. And there is definitely something to be gained, a, a huge, huge bit to be gained by finishing in first place. And that means that you're going to let Dallas and Colorado beat the hell out of each other for first for the first round to get in more advantageous matchup before, if you are fortunate enough to win that series, move on to the winner of Colorado and Dallas. Um, you know, if you don't feel things are at right now, you feel the power play needs a new look or some, you know, some new individuals on it that potentially might be acquired in trade. I mean, does this maybe speed up the timeline? Uh, and a general manager like Kevin Chevalier maybe gets a little more aggressive earlier as opposed to waiting for everything to happen. That is something that we'll talk about with um, that we'll uh, talk about with Hammer coming up in uh, in just a uh, just a few minutes. Um, Brendan Dillon did leave the game with an injury, Remus, and you know they basically played five defensemen for most of the game, much like what happened on Wednesday with Josh Morrissey. Um, 
But speaking of defensemen, it was nice to see our guy Slamberg uh, finally get his first goal of the season. You saw him rip the monkey off his back as he went to the bench after that. And uh, it looked like that was going to be the only goal before Mason Appleton uh, kind of got into the blue paint and smashed one in with about 11 seconds left after the game was already out of reach. Yeah, we needed that goal because you mentioned to me at the game that the Winnipeg Sports Talk group had only seen one goal in each game. One goal on the Kings game, one game sure, in the Oilers the game. the narrative. One goal Ch- at a time. Yeah, Bumped up that average for Jets goals four in Winnipeg Sports Talk ticket games. So uh, good for Dylan Saberg. And he was asked to play a bigger role with Dylan out. And, you know, he's shown that he can excel in his third pairing role. And when given some elevated minutes, uh, he can excel in that. Really nice, uh, some nice zone entries, you know, big plays, good at blocking shots as well. And they get the single. But, I mean, scoring certainly at a premium. Uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, and especially without Mark Shifley. And I think it just shows as we got to the trade deadline, they need some help at center. You know, they've said, you know, Velarde, who had played center before, but not really in the NHL. He's more comfortable on the wing. Uh, Cole Perfetti, they're using him at wing. So what, you have Lowry and Nemestikov as your 1-2, and Tony Nato, Kupari, 3-4, uh, you know, whatever order you want to put it in. But I think they they need help, and you have to wonder, do they make a trade before the deadline, or is Mark Shifley going to be back uh, for the first game from back from the break against Pittsburgh? Uh, certainly a concern. I think scoring a concern the last three games. I don't think, you know, with three-game losing streak here into the break, we're in that trademark Jets second-half slide, just the way they've been playing. Like that game against Toronto, I mean, they got goalied in that game. Uh, the game there. The game here... You know, maybe maybe a different story, but um, I don't think this is what we've seen in the past, but clearly they need help at center. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, again, we'll get into that with um, um, Hammer coming up in a few minutes. Let's hear what Bones had to say um, post-game. Uh, and obviously special teams was, uh, was a big topic post-game, and uh, here's what Bones had to say about the uh, the difference in special teams in Saturday night's tilt. Special teams uh, is this another example where it maybe cost you a point or two tonight? Yeah, it did. Yep, both. Yep. Our power play needs a break like they got in there first. They just took a shot and it's going wide. A tip. We're getting pucks in there that they're just not going in for us. We're getting some pretty good looks on it. Is we got to score those opportunities and we're just not doing it. Right. And the penalty killing's been outstanding for a while. Uh, but again, it's you know. We had a terrible night on face-offs. Um, so it's, it's, it's those areas, like we're losing 30, 40 seconds every power play because we lose a face-off in the ice it, and we're spending too much time in tonight losing those face-offs. Um, and then, you know, they're scoring off. And so if we can clean up some of that, we'll, but again, the penalty killing has been outstanding for a while. Uh, they got one tonight. All right, there's Bones, and I know Bones will talk about face-offs a lot, and they are important. I mean, uh, they, the Jets were basically winning one and losing two um, for every three face-offs last night, and that's, I mean, just giving the puck to your opponent, and uh, you're spending a lot more time chasing it and trying to pick it up. Um, there's certainly something to be said about what that does. Well, as Bones mentioned on the penalty kill, I mean, if you can get that and you know, chip away at some extra time, that's always a bonus. It's been happening the other way to the Jets on the power play. 
Um, and I know there's lots of talk about zone entries and stuff, and the zone entries weren't great on Saturday. I mean, usually Nikolai Ehlers is pretty much automatic, um, but they did get in. They passed the puck around, um, uh, and there was a lot of people that were yelling shoot in the section, and I sometimes joke about that, and maybe it was a little bit over the top when some of the people were firing off, they shoot the puck, but they do need to shoot the puck more, and they need to find a way to get it through. And I thought that the Leafs' goal was a perfect example of moving the puck around, getting something on net quickly. Um, you know, Usually you're expecting that probably to be saved, and maybe you're jumping on a rebound, but sometimes they go in. Um, and it just seems like the Jets right now, not only are they stagnant, um, but they don't have a lot of confidence in where players are going to be the movement of the puck, and listen, I know Shifley's a big, big loss from that group, but there's a lot of other talented players in this in, the, in that locker room that are getting out on that unit, and it doesn't make much sense that we have not seen, um, we've not seen, you know, some more production from that group, more scoring chances, more everything, basically, from the power play, because special teams have been an issue, as Bones said, the power, the penalty kill, for the most part, despite giving up one on the weekend, has definitely been better but we just haven't seen real much improvement from the power play. And that has got to change because it can really suck momentum away from a team. Uh, and I think we saw that on on Saturday night. Yeah. And it's kind of been the same thing all year. And we've been saying this, like when was that Dallas game months ago where they had like three chances and, and they couldn't score on the power play. And they do have a lot of good players thinking this team should be better, but you watch the power play. One, as he said, that what they lose the face off and spent like 30 seconds uh, trying to get the puck back and, you know, getting it in. And then when they're in there, they're kind of just standing still waiting for a seam to open up for this perfect tap in that doesn't open up. And you've been watching that for a while. You know, I watched, you know, some, some of the great power plays like Vancouver and Colorado or uh, Tampa as well. I mean, the guys are moving around. It seems like anyone can play uh, any position. Um, you know, they're not just so locked in to where they are. And as you said, you know, getting shots and trying to follow it up. I mean, I'm sure they've addressed all this. He does. There is a clip, Huss, if you want to go to clip. Uh, what is it? Clip four. four where he talked. Mike asked him about the reasons for the power play. But I'm sure they've been trying. I'm sure they've been trying to figure this out here for months. And. You hope that well, they can. Yeah, it comes yeah. down to ex- execution. I mean, I know there's some people like, how does Brad Lauer have still have a job? I mean, listen, the power play is not like they're going to come in and like a new coach is going to do. Hey, no, we're completely changing up the power play. I mean, it's it's relatively simple. You've got a man advantage. You have the puck. You can find the areas of space, but you also have to move and you have to create that. And they're just not doing a very good job of that. I don't really think that there's anything secret to like their setup or anything. It's not executing very well. Um, that's pretty much it. Well, anyways, let's see what Bones has to say. These are uh, his thoughts on the reason for uh, the lack of success with the man advantage. It's a mindset. I, I think, again, I, I see us, there's, there's better plays to be made than we're making. Um, uh, and again, you, you know, we had a couple guys walk in there 
in, in Toronto. Didn't score. Tonight we're walking in. We don't score. Like there are some opportunities there to score that we're just it's not going in for them right now. Um, at least we're creating some offense. Does it need a lot of work? Yeah. Can we put more pucks in it? Yeah. Do we need a break to see something go in like they got their first one tonight? Yeah. We'll keep working at it. There. Uh, well, and listen, that's got to be a priority when the team comes back and. And hey, listen, I mean, as bad as the power play has been this year, I mean, the record is still the record. Um, 30, 12, and 5. They're in a great position. Like, how does that look? How much more dangerous can the Winnipeg Jets be if this power play gets going? And I, for one, can't believe that it can be as uh, impotent as it has been for a pretty long time throughout the rest of the way. And maybe that means, you know, an ad of a player that can come in and you know, make a difference, changing up some personnel. I mean, I think everything, frankly, should be on the table right now uh, when it comes to the Jets' PK. But Rick mentioned shooting the puck and getting pucks through, and it really did seem like partially because the Leafs, and this is no not unique to last night's game. This has been in, in many situations. They sort of know who's getting the puck. They're in a relatively stationary spot. They're not moving and creating that sort of motion that I think can allow you a little bit more time and a little bit of space. And especially when it gets back to the wing, to the defenseman or the guys, you know, high up on the sides, um, there's guys in position and players know that if they shoot, there's a good chance it's going into a shin pad and could be going back the other way. So instead they'll get it down low and they're just not doing a good, a good enough job of, you know, quickly moving the puck to take advantage of that extra man and I mean, Lundberg was there, uh, you know, in the uh, in the section on the weekend, suggesting that they decline the penalty. And um, I mean, listen, it gets a few laughs, but I mean, there's something to be said about a team that's so good at five on five, and you take one of the other players off, and nothing can get going. It just doesn't make sense. I'll say this though, Remo, everything is going to be in. You know, this is one part of the season. You begin the more than second half of the season when you when you come back the jets are what six games into the second half but if they can if they can move that power play to league average in the final 35 games of the season um it'll definitely put them in a much much better situation heading into uh, heading into the playoffs so, uh, here's bones this is number 2 ream Here's Bones on, uh, you know, entering the break, you know, coming off uh, not a great week and kind of feeling some adversity for the first time in a while. We talked after, like, we, okay, we've had a good, it's been a good year up to this point. There, it has, there's been far more positives than negatives. Um, so, but we still have, we can still take another level and we're going to have to take another level and that will start with a couple of things. But yeah, the guys feel good about where we are. They, We, we know we have a good team. Um, yeah, it hasn't gone our way the last three games. So um, put it behind us and when we come back to work on Sunday, we'll get back, get back at it and get back to hard work and turn it around. All right, so uh, there's what Bones had to say about uh, you know the uh, the challenge at hand moving forward, uh, and certainly as he should, focusing more on what the team has done and accomplished so far than you know some of the things that are a bristle in his saddle, if you will. But um, here's one more from Bones. This is just his thought on last week with uh, only getting one point out of three hockey games. We had two bad periods in Boston. We won in Ottawa, and uh, we 
very easily could have won that game in Toronto. I don't think the, the play has been as bad as what it looks like, other than a couple of bad spells. We had a really good first tonight. Our puck management in the second was terrible, and that really hurt us. Um, but when, overall, again, we're, we're going into the third period. It's 1-1. Um, we take an early penalty, and they score, and then we get a power play, and we don't score. So uh, it's I know it, we have them won in three games, but there's been enough positives in those games that we could have won them. We could have got back in them. All right. You know, it's certainly not airing everybody out uh, on the way to uh, probably some sunnier climbs for a few days for uh, for his Winnipeg Jets. And again, the team will be back on Sunday practicing. I imagine Hellebuck um, as well as Kyle Connor um, might get the extra day. But, uh, well, Bones is an all-star too. But Bones will be there in practice. They got a lot of, lots to work on. Um, let's hear from Captain Lowry. Um, here's what uh, Adam had to say about uh, the loss on Sunday to the Toronto Maple Leafs in uh, front of that crazy crowd at Canada Life Centre. I think similar to our first in Toronto, I thought you know, we did a good job on the four check, turning pucks over, creating chances, you know, on their turnovers, feeding on kind of what we weren't giving up in the neutral zone and a good transition game. I think, you know, the, the final two minutes of the first really put us on our heels and it was just puck management, things like that. And I think that carried over to the second. I think that's where we really got in trouble. You know, they do a good job swinging in on the blue lines and they got a great transition game. They've got some high-end talent, and he really kind of fed into their style of play. We got away from, you know, the forechecking, and I think you saw two sides of the game when we were direct with the puck, when we put it in behind them, and we were able to, to create some turnover, some chaos, you know, some zone time, and, you know, really generate some chances. And, you know, when we were a little stubborn with the puck, kind of, you know, our puck management decisions weren't as sharp as they need to be, uh, you know, we saw what happened. So, um, disappointing results. You, know, you don't want to drop three going into a break, but you know, and I, I think all in all of this month and you know everything kind of up to this point, you know, we put ourselves in a good position. You know, enjoy a few days off and come back uh, a couple of good practices and, and be ready for Pittsburgh. That's right, Jets. But next action is on. Tuesday of next week against the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins on the road. And then uh, the Penguins will be right back here to play the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday, February 10th. That should be another great game down at Canada Life Centre. Um, I, I, I'll say this, Raymond. I think I sort of mentioned this to you after the game. I mean, there was a very clear turning point in that hockey game. Uh, and that was the Ryan Reeves goal. And, you know, Lowry just sort of talked about how things were somewhat chaotic there in that final two minutes. Uh, it almost looked like the Jets were going to go into the locker room actually down 2-1. Got maybe a fortuitous call. Didn't seem to be a lot of support for the the uh, review room um, <laughs> online as much as uh, we had support for it after 316 saying no goal. But it was unfortunate. I mean, that first goal that, you know, Ryan Reeves, and credit to him for a great deflection, um, that the Jets had it. Um, you know, there were two defensemen there and Connor Hellebuck and sort of a miscommunication. Helly sort of almost poke checks Josh Morrissey, gets it to Noah Gregor, who then just put it on net. And lo and behold, Ryan Reeves, t- uh, you know, tipped that in. And, you know, to get a fourth line goal in that fashion is such a big boost to a team that, you know, hadn't been doing very well creating five-on-five chances against the Winnipeg Jets. 
And it seemed like from that moment on, well into the second period, it really boosted the Leafs. Yeah, I thought the Jets played a great third uh, first period. You thought they were going to go into intermission up one nothing, and they were almost down 2-1. And yeah, Ryan Reeves makes a play, and there was so much talk about him all week. You know, is he injured? Is he healthy? Uh, where is he going to play in the lineup? And there he is again in Winnipeg scoring an impactful goal. As much as it's so painful to even utter that, that sentence. That, that was sentence, the worst part of that game. It just brought back so many bad memories <laughs> of the 2018 Western Conference final. So uh, you're like, Reeves again? And it's a guy like, how many goals? He doesn't score a lot of goals, Ryan Reeves. But when he comes here, he talked about being able to visit, you know, see his family, see his grandma, getting uh, pumped up. And yeah, that was in the final minute uh, of the period. And I thought the Jets played a great first period, but as tide really changed there in the second. The got out shot, they were chasing the game a bit. And in the third period, it was special teams became a factor where Toronto converted on theirs. The Jets got a bit undisciplined. You know, one of those was a five on three there. And that's the game. And again, I think goal scoring without Mark Shifley is shown to be a premium. And they're going to need to score more than a goal if they want to. I know they got, you know, the goal with what, 10 seconds left, but. How many did you score in the last couple of games? You scored one, or was it one or two against Boston? And, you know, the one uh, against bit Toronto Wednesday. Spell. Yeah, bit, bit, of a of a, bit of a dry spell. And so that's why the, you need that power play. Like, you have five, and they have four. It's math. Uh, so you should be able to, to score more, but they're near bottom third of the league. Well, there's so much momentum that goes with uh, solid power plays as well as ones that don't get it done. I mean, we've seen that a number of times. Let's just get one more clip from uh, Lowry. Let's do the the final one. Uh, Lowry, on the upcoming break for a team that had been in a dry spill and uh, coming off uh, a, a week of results that certainly have been quite different than what they've had over the course of the past couple months. Yeah, you know, the, the best thing is, you know, in a little mental reset, I think this is kind of, you know, one of the first blocks of adversity we've faced this year. And, um, you know, certainly you can let some frustration creep in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think being able to get away from the game and kind of analyze where we've at, you know, wh- where we've been, what we've been doing well in some of these games, what we can improve upon, you know, come back and, you know, energize again. I think, you know, that, that's the great thing that this break comes at this time. But, um, you know, I, I think we all know over the last couple of weeks we, we can play better. I think, you know, there's been games where we haven't been as sharp as we want to be and you know that that's important that you know we keep striving we keep trying to push ahead and we keep trying to get better so you know enjoy these few days kind of get that mental reset so that you know when we come back uh, we really get ready for that stretch run it's going to be a busy couple months of hockey and we're, we're really excited for it we, we've got a great group in here all right so there is adam lowry we're going to uh, talk jets and more with jeff hamilton coming up in just a couple minutes don't think I won't be talking about the football on the weekend. We'll get to that with Jeff as well, but Connor Rabchak's going to go on, and we'll uh, we'll start getting the beaking going on for the uh, the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Um, Adam Lowry mentioned the team getting back to practice next Saturday, hitting the road to Pittsburgh. Three big games on home ice coming up over the next few weeks. The Saturday game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby, not too many chances to uh, to watch one of the greatest of all time, live in person. Get your tickets for that game. The Valentine's Day game against the San Jose Sharks. Get your loved one, hopefully at two points uh, for the Winnipeg Jets that night. And then the Minnesota Wild, potentially with Declan Chisholm in the lineup. 
coming to Winnipeg on the 20th of November. Winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And while you're at it, thinking about the playoffs, um, if you're thinking about getting back into a package and getting on board with the team as a, a partial member or a season ticket member, now's a great time to do it. Get great seats for the rest of the season. And, of course, first in line for great seats for the whiteout and playoff hockey come the spring. Um, shout out to our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Of course, uh, winter has been, listen, it has not been bad. It's gorgeous outside right now, but winter is part of the time that, uh, it is the time really that gives your uh, overhead door uh, the most stress. Now Wallace and Wallace are the fencing and overhead door specialists in Winnipeg since 1946. Um, but with the uh, the winter stress in your uh, garage door, the right time to prevent downtime this winter is right now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace and Wallace, along with being the fencing leader here in town since the 1940s. Um, hey, shout out to our friends at F Apparel. We're actually going to have to head down to F at some point this week and get fitted up. Uh, guys, if you're thinking about checking, uh, taking your menswear game to the next level or just updating the wardrobe, no better place to do it and no better prices to be had than F Apparel. Custom suits made to fit, starting at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are having a wedding in 2024, or in a wedding party, make sure you talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount as well when the entire wedding party gets hooked up at F Apparel. F is down at 190 Smith Street. You can find out more online and make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And uh, hey, shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. <clears throat> it was actually nice meeting with the group over in the other bar, uh, just down from our seats on Saturday. Because we were in the craft beer corner, and uh, we got the the great little brown jug generics and 1919s on tap to start things off. And, of course, you can uh, pick those up at 310, downstairs in 126 as well at the other craft beer corner. Had a couple generics last night uh, celebrating a big football win in the AFC Championship as well. Uh, but if you're looking for the best in local beer Winnipeg has to offer, it's little brown jug uh, William Avenue down in the exchange is the brewery and tap room. Pop by and see them there. Pick up Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer and make sure to keep an eye out for generic lager. Just $19.99 in the eight pack of Tall Boys. And you can find out more online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, let's uh, bring in the hammer, Jeff Hamilton, for our weekly visit. What's going on? How was your weekend? Us, my weekend was awesome. Got to, like you, as you alluded to, got to. Uh... Take in some pretty good games. I was on the Kenny and Rennie show for the third time in what seemed like a week. So after taking the first half off, I've uh, I've, I've uh, maintained my presence on that that post game show. That was fun to do, and the rest was just taking it easy. I meant to get to the outdoor rinks this week, um, but uh, I can report that that uh, that hope failed, unfortunately, in favor of uh, of sitting on the couch and enjoying football. Well, I can tell you, I think it'll be a great week for hitting ODRs, to be honest. I mean, uh, looks I know, like the, the trails. I want nice. the trail to be back up. Well, for sure. And I know they just got it started. They had a lot of issues with getting it going this year. I mean, uh, I'm sort of down by the Hugo Dock, which is sort of at the end of the trail. I'm hoping they make it this far this year. But uh, 
I'm not exactly sure. Listen, let's start off with the Jet stuff. There's a bunch of things I want to get to with you. But um, uh, the big news today, Declan Chisholm getting uh, picked up off waivers by the Minnesota Wild just in the last hour. Like We knew that the Jets were probably going to have to be putting somebody on waivers over the course of the next couple of week, last couple of weeks. They waited and waited. Any thoughts on the timing of this, though? Like, I will admit, I heard I was on my way to pick up a friend. I was listening to OB yesterday, and they said, oh, we've just got word that Declan Chisholm's been put on waivers. Like, I knew at some point it was going to be happening. The start of the bl- player break seemed to be a little peculiar timing. Um, any thoughts to that, uh, why it may have happened, and any surprises that he's been picked up by Minnesota of all teams? Yeah, I've got some thoughts. I mean, um, I'll start with the last question first. Uh, thoughts why or let's just go back to the beginning. Um, Declan Chisholm, you know, being put on waivers to me at this point in time was a maybe an a couple things, maybe an effort to accrue salary, you know, cap salary space with with him being off. You know, if he was to go to the Moose just over this player time, I think I don't ask, don't ask me that those kind of questions. But I read about accruing some kind of you know whatever salary cap space um, for that. There's there's the I like to think that whenever you make a decision to put a guy on waivers that, you know, you're doing so with the knowledge or at least the hope that he won't get taken. Um, you know, met, whether that was around the all-star break, like that was somehow well, I guarantee team, they hoped he didn't teams get were taken. taking a break, you know, <laughs> from their own, you know, like due diligence. There, there's that, um, you know, there's, Obviously, the future of Vili Hainala to take into consideration and needing the space on the roster to allow for that to happen. There's Mark Shifley is probably coming back pretty soon. So there's some roster juggling there and some clearly tough decisions that need to be made. You know, I guess why it was Declan Chisholm and not Logan Stanley. I mean, I was talking to some people over the weekend, just some colleagues and some people around the league you know, there's theories that maybe the Jets know there's a team out there that would take Logan Stanley, or maybe he's part of a, you know, a long rumored trade that this team is going to have to, you know, it's probably going to make. He's been part, connected to trade rumors, so maybe there's a team that likes him, and maybe the Jets are talking to a team right now where he could be one of the pieces. Um, to be honest with you, though, I don't really understand it. it beyond that. I mean, I understand the need for that. I just don't get you know, why Logan Stanley hasn't finally been, you know, put in this position. Like if Declan Chisholm is the guy that you're going to put ahead of Logan Stanley in the lineup. And I know that, you know, the stats don't necessarily bore that out. They both seem to be a little bit of, you know, in purgatory over there in the press box as the seven and eighth guys. But um, it just, you know, you look at, you know, what's the point. It just seems so backwards to me. It's that you know, you kind of, how do you not know what you have in Logan Stanley? You still don't really know what you have in Declan Chisholm. You'd think that you'd get more opportunity to see what you have. There's going to be some turnover potentially here on the blue line. Would Chisholm be a guy that you would want to be bring into that top six? I mean, I, you know, I would think a lot of people thought that was the plan, but, um, and now here, here we are, you know, at 157. Introduce you to the remarkable time. two. To um, you know, for Central time or threw me out there. It's one fifty two, like one fifty seven our time right now, and he's gone, and he's now a member of the Minnesota Wild. So, is it a Johnny Kovacevic? You know, this year that happened last season. That you know, I was training camp. I mean, it's kind of feels like you're developing these guys. Fans get kind of excited about what their potential is, and then you know, you lose them to a guy who you have clearly no priority to put into the lineup. And I think that's the frustrating part. 
uh, amongst fans is just, you know, what is Logan Stanley? What is his market value? Why hasn't he been traded? And if you like him so much, why isn't he in the lineup? And so when you see a young guy like that. the top six, and neither is Chisholm. I mean, I I hate to tell everybody, but guess what? Logan Stanley is ahead of Declan, uh, Declan Chisholm on the depth chart, or was. And I think this more, now listen, he could be gone if there is a trade and that's a guy that they need to move, they will. Hmm. But, I mean, I think they're looking and planning for who are the next guys up after the six guys. And I, I part of me thinks that this was done because we know that Billy Hanel is probably that guy. Mm-hmm. So he needed to be on this roster. Like at some point during the final 35 games of the season, we're going to see Billy Hanel play games for the Winnipeg Jets. I believe that. Yeah. So now sure. that he's ready to go and he's going to be there, he was going to be in that spot. So that's another guy ahead of Declan Chisholm. Totally. Stanley's a very different player. And I know there's a lot of people that aren't big fans of his. And listen, do I think the Jets are better with him in the press box than on the ice? Yeah. Um, as it stands right now. I mean, he's certainly not ahead of any of those six guys that are playing. And he's certainly not ahead of Vili. But if you're thinking about having two depth defensemen, I think the role, what Stanley brings, and again, people might not agree with this, that's what they'd rather have as insurance along with a player like Vili, because I think Vili does a lot of the things that Declan Chisholm does. I think they just feel he's got a much higher ceiling and does them better. I think that's a great point. And I mean, that's, that's the part where you're like, you mentioned, you mentioned Logan Stanley's height and then you kind of, you kind of move off for a second to make sure any projectiles aren't being thrown at you. And, and I mean, maybe that is, maybe it is as simple as that, right? If you're, if you're going to, and this isn't even taking into consideration the jets looking for to adding D men, adding to their D depth. And so maybe that's an indicator of some potential moves to be made in, in the future. But to your point, Huss, you know, you have Billy Hanela coming back. he, he leapfrogs Chisholm on on the on the depth chart, which then moves. So make just for sake of argument, you have Chisholm ahead of Logan Stanley on the depth chart. Well, he all of a sudden becomes your eighth guy. And what's the odds of him getting in? You know, unless there's, you know, you have a really banged up blue line. So maybe there is some logic to having a bigger body, a playoff type body, if you will. Again, I move off to the side, making sure no one throws anything at me. But, you know, that might that's probably the logic here. I don't, you know, cause I don't really know what else, what else the logic would be other than to your point that the jets have, you know, a, a number of guys like Declan Chisholm and have, you know, and, and, you know, he's of the guys that they have in and around that size and skill set. He finds himself on the outside looking in and, um, you know, this is his opportunity to, to find somewhere new like Johnny Kovacevic before him. And, uh, you know, other guys like Jansen Hargens who've, who've been put on waivers from this club and, and picked up by other teams. It's just, uh, I think for, for Jets fans, well, well, certainly I understand exactly what you're saying, Haas. I think, you know, I think we can both understand that there are some fans out there that would be disappointed, not knowing what the potential could have been for a guy like Declan Chisholm, who is, who is, who is developed here uh, and didn't quite see his, his full potential. Yeah. And listen, and um, that is uh, uh, unfortunately for the jets in this position. And listen, it happened to Calgary twice last week. I mean, Calgary's not, you know, a, a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. The rules are that, listen, if you're ninth on the depth chart uh, on a team and you can't get sent down without waivers, you're going to be hitting the wire at some point. And um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. I mean, I figured that there was a high likelihood that at some point one of these guys in this mix was going to be that guy. 
I didn't think David Gustafson would see his way to the wire. I think Rasmus Kapari, um, albeit probably when everything is healthy, especially with an addition, maybe is not fitting into the top 12, is not a guy that they'd be looking to expose and lose for nothing. I think there's a value to him. Hey, hey, not not weeks after they made it, went out of their way to say Kapari had to be part of that deal. For Those sure. stories are already written. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, listen, that's another nice piece that came from the L.A. trade. And if he is not going to be here, you know, I, I think when you're talking about prospects or players from the roster that might be moving elsewhere to teams that maybe are in a different situation than the Winnipeg Jets are, Kapari might be a guy that has some interest. Um, like, the guy's got million-dollar wheels. It's just we haven't seen a lot of the other part of the game, um, even in an opportunity to skate with the likes of uh, Velarde and and Perfetti on the on the weekend, um, but listen, this the, the waiver system is built for the players. So guys that are buried under eight other defensemen might get a shot somewhere else. And um, exactly. you know what? Good for Declan, and he's going to a spot like uh, I mean Minnesota. You know, Spurgeon is such a big part of you know like they've got a lot of bigger guys that you know do other things. Brock Faber's an absolute phenom right now, and he's sort of taken over that number one defenseman role. Um, but Chisholm might get a chance to go in and play and show what he can do. And listen, there are guys that can play for some teams in the NHL that just aren't good enough or in a spot that they're going to play for others. And, you know, that's the uh, that's the waiver system for you. Um, but listen, I mean, I don't think there Maybe was the a bunch Mike of teams. Yesimont. Maybe he yeah. gets a real shot out there. And, you know, I think that's the part that fans worry about. And I don't think we'd be talking about this at all if it didn't have to do with you know, Logan Stanley. And, and I think it's more of an argument of asset management than necessarily losing a guy like Declan Chisholm. Cause I, you know, I think if that's what you're worried about at this stage of your season, you know, I guess there's more things to worry about. Well, for sure. And listen, it comes and it comes and goes both ways. I mean, Axel Janssen Fialbi has been a really important member of this team this year. Um, did some good things last year. He came on waivers as well. So, I mean, it's all, it's situational. I, I just, I, I was just surprised yesterday of the timing of it all. I think you're very much onto something that there is some cap benefits. So if it's going to happen, you know, having him off the roster for the course of the next, whatever it is, seven or eight days, assuming that the clock still ticks because the player break is different for different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might accrue a little bit more cap space. And I guess if it was going to happen, sooner as opposed to later and maybe there was an extra chance that uh, the team was uh, was it so what do you make of it I and mean, we just heard from bones and adam lowry it wasn't a great week for the team i mean they got one point in uh, toronto on wednesday they lost to boston they finished it up to a up with a loss to uh, the toronto maple leafs i certainly think most would agree this is coming at a good time get mark shifley back but um it's pretty clear there still is some work to be done. And I do wonder if this week maybe pushes the general manager to look to act sooner as opposed to playing this out closer to the deadline as we see most deals happen right around the 8th of March. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this. I think you can go all the way back to that 5 nothing victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets to talk about, you know, where the Jets haven't really loved their game, right? It's not that they haven't liked their game. There's been parts of their game that's been... The, been good in the whatever six seven games since then or whatever the math is but um you know it hasn't been as consistent or as dominant as we we as we've seen and witnessed for much of the year and so you know part of that obviously has to do with injuries you know this um this team hasn't had you know rick bonus in those comments mentioned on particularly on the power play they haven't had 
you know, Gabriel Velarde, Mark Shifley, and Kyle Connor all together for a long stretch of games to try to get that number one unit rolling. Um, special teams has been brutal. You know, that usually helps mask some issues. That's certainly not helping out the Winnipeg Jets now, or nor has it done much help all season. Um, to your last point, though, Huss, I think that's the most important one. Like, I do think that this this you know, a couple weeks. And then I'd argue the next two weeks, like when they get back, not starting today, but when they get back those next two weeks on how, like there's a big two weeks for the Winnipeg Jets. Like they're jockeying for position in the central. They've, they've done, you know, they've done the work to keep themselves in that fight. Obviously they're still, you know, when it comes to points percentage, they're still up there as a top team in the, in, in the NHL. So they've earned the right to go through a rough patch, if you will. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering how they get out of this one. This is the first real adversity. And yeah, maybe the break is a good thing. Maybe the break is to get away from hockey and, and, you know, whatever, just uh, focus on other things and, and come back, you know, renewed, refreshed, renewed commitment to, to your, your game. And I think um, I don't, you know, I'm not suggesting that it's going to be, you know, a rough two weeks for them, but I do think this is going to be a time when lots of teams, when more desperate teams in the standings, uh, start to look at the schedule and realize that they need to make up some serious ground, whereas the Jets need to, you know, need to maintain in that fight and, and you know, try to go for the top spot in the central. I just think it's, you know, but anyways, to that point, I think Kevin Shevelyev has to do something, you know, like I think he has to, I think he had to do something before this, you know, I, you know, this is a team that, that, that's, you know, like, yeah, the good times were rolling through that first half of the season and, 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 you know, credit to, four lines that were were finding ways to score finding you know guys finding the back of the net we're starting to see some of that regression come into play we're starting to see you know that fourth line not be as dominant we're starting to see you know Adam Lowry moving up to the first line we're seeing a, a hole in in that second line center spot you how know? much of that is just Mark Shifley being injured well absolutely 100% but I'm just saying that's what we're looking at when Mark Shifley gets injured so to think that you're going to go into the playoffs with some unbelievably healthy team and maintain that health throughout the entire, you know, hopefully for this club, four rounds of playoffs, you're not. And so if this is what you get when you lose a Mark Shifley and your power play goes out the way, this is some of the old stuff we used to talk about the Jets. And I'm not saying it's, it's doomsday and um, by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I'll echo what a lot of people, a lot of our colleagues and people in general have been saying for months is that, the Jets have a system that they can, you know, lean back on that they can go back to after this break and really, again, renew that commitment to that system. And it's been successful. But I'm just saying, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are good. Good teams deserve to be added on at the break and even before the break. And you look at some of the names that have been kind of linked to the Winnipeg Jets, the Adam Henriques, the Sean Monahans, the, you know, the, um, you know, those two guys in particular, like, those were kind of conversations months ago, and now they're like every team wants those guys. So now, now the price of those players, to your point about going early, has just continued to rise and rise and rise. Has it really, or is that just the GMs of like the Montreal Canadiens, Philly insiders, has, with like, man. oh, uh, now the cost is a is a first rounder. Like I hear that and I laugh. Like of okay. course I'd be telling guys to go and float this out that the cost is going to be a first rounder. Well, as far as I can tell, no one's shown up on uh, Kent Hughes' door with a first-rounder for Sean Monaghan. And for the record, I still don't think anybody will. You don't think that anyone? You don't think that first-round picks will be open for both those guys? You don't think? What no. do you think? You don't? Okay, that's interesting. No. I uh, I disagree. I think that some team will will give a high, you know, first-round pick. 
for in a low first round pick. Sorry, low first round pick. Um, high in number, low in pick. Um, for one of those guys, for sure. Um, well, well, here's, I mean, listen, the, Julian McKenzie in the Athletic put this out, and I don't have this in front of me, but off the top of my head, they were putting together potential deal, what a deal would look like for Elias Lindholm um, from Calgary. Mm-hmm. And the thought was it would be the Jets' first rounder, Chaz Lucius, and Mason Appleton. Yeah. If that's the cost, I'm doing that today. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I think that we're talking about the value of that first round pick. And again, Chaz is sort of a B prospect right now. I mean, if he ever oh, gets healthy think, and plays for a long the time, are very high on him. I don't, I think he's a guy that can be out the door for sure. I think he'll definitely be one of the guys out the door. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. If, if that and a first round pick gets you Lindholm, like, I mean, to me, there's a big, big gap. So here's the here, here's the thing. Those so other like, two guys we just talked. I should about. add a caveat. I just I, teams tend to, and I don't say the Jets have a you know a, a massive history with this, but there's there's some pieces on that on those two teams on the Ducks and on the Flames, you know, like, and I'm not saying that you could package them, but like, you know, and I'm I'm sure that they take they'd send Tanev to the highest bidder and Lindholm to the highest bidder, but if you have you know, some pack. I look at an Adam Henrique, and I look at a. You know, I've mentioned this in the show before. A guy like Cam Fowler on the blue line. You know, if you can package those two guys, then you start talking. You know, maybe first round picks um, and some pieces. But I just, you know, I, I'm. You're right. I mean, I'm not saying that that the Jets should be giving that away per se, but I don't think that they should be looking at their first round pick um, as some kind of jewel for them for for when you can pick up a player that's going to make you better and. And put and, and you know maybe put you over the top or make make you better in, in a certain area that you you need it you need to be better at if you want to compete in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'd, I'd bet I'd bet a significant amount that the Jets will trade their first round pick before the deadline. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and here's for the a thing: home and not a uh, yeah. Well, for sure. Listen, like if if they end up trading that first round pick for Monaghan, I'll be flabbergasted, um, just because I think that's a that's a significant overpay. I mean, they do have. Montreal's second round pick, which actually does project to be pretty good, like in and around 40. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that, if you would have told me a little while that that's, I mean, let's not forget Monaghan was a guy that Calgary gave them a first round pick yeah, exactly. <laughs> to take off their hands. Yeah. Now, that was at a time on a much different cap number. Totally. He's back and he's making less than $2 million. So he actually is a player. And I mean, that might get them more. Um, as opposed to a Henrique, who you've got to fit in at like 5.875, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, the cap number is is significant. I'm just saying that if we're looking for a guy to come in and make a difference in the Jets' top six, I don't think Monaghan's the guy, although they would love to have him in the face-off circle. And don't underestimate that skill as something that the Jets are looking. All you needed to do was look at, if you're at the game on Saturday, you know, the Jets face-off number going from the high 20s to low 30s basically most of the night. And that's a mm-hmm. recipe for disaster against a team like the Leafs. Um, Especially for mind. a team like the like the Jets who, need, yeah. who want that position, who want yeah. that possession, who have the, you know, the ability to break out. No, you know, for sure. Um, I think Henrique probably adds a little bit more offensive pop. He's, uh, you know, older, more experienced player. Hasn't been in the playoffs in forever after going to the cup in his rookie year. I think he's played four playoff games since then. So I think you'd have a hungry guy. But to me, a player like Lindholm, 
um, would be worth paying more to get because he, I mean, listen, two years ago, he was on the best line in the National Hockey League. Well, he has I to think be the Jets, Jets number one players. priority. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about but it. But here's the other thing about, about moving too early. Uh, well, too early, if you will, moving this early. Like, say, we're talking about that next week. Mm-hmm. There will be situations and scenarios for particular teams that change closer to the deadline. And the best example of that is maybe the best trade that Chevy ever made, the stealth pickup of Paul Stastny. Like, I can guarantee you, if you back that out, that trade out a month earlier, that deal wasn't on the table for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they right. Doug Armstrong made that decision very late, saying, okay, this is something we're not going to want to do. This makes sense for us, and we'll make that trade. I mean, we know these discussions have been happening, but when the deals come together, um, sometimes timing is everything. You need a team to go and maybe lose three in a row, and all of a sudden then the general manager is feeling a little different. Like I, The way I look at it right now, I mean, as long as Shifley's coming back, you give them the next couple weeks, I mean, they could look like the team that was, you know, for the period leading up to him getting injured, and the urgency comes down. I don't think that they're going to overreact because of one bad week, but I am with you in that there's no doubt looking at what the Jets are without Mark Shifley tells you that the number one target has to be another center to bolster the top six when Shifley's in the lineup, but also to have a little bit more because if, God forbid, 55 isn't there, and we've seen it happen before in the playoffs before, they need to have something behind him to come and try and get them through a few games if he's out for an extended period of time. What about Rutger McGrody coming up for a playoff run? Oh, I'm I, well. Like, and this is, is that not like does that not feel like an obvious move just with his season? Um, yes. Yeah, like, I mean, seemed, I, like, I think that I know he's the Jets like to kind of sit team. on you know don't like to burn those entry level contracts and whatnot. But I think this guy could be a weapon come the, come you know the spring here. I don't think know? they'll care if they think that he makes them better on the ice and he For can sure. help them win games. I think they put him in. Um, but like yeah, a I'm, lot of times we've seen them sign guys and just sort of have them around the team or go play with the Moose. I kind of think it's different with Rucker. Oh, it would, um, be, it would be different. I think sure. it'll be different. I think when he signs, um, presumably it's after the rosters are expanded. So he'll sign, he'll be around. And I think much like Vili, who I expect to get you know a number of games in, even if guys are playing well, it's about being having more than six guys ready to play. And I think Vili would be that guy that certainly would be in and probably would be playing a more significant role if he got in. I'd love to see if he can maybe spice up the power play a little bit. (laughs) That's been a a big part. Um, But if Rucker signs, I see him coming, skating with the team, practicing for a little bit, and when opportunity shows, go in, get him a few games in, and everything's on the table come playoff time. I mean, we see it all the time with guys coming out of college that make impacts, you know, right out of school, in the National Hockey League. And uh, I think he's in a situation, unlike most of his contemporaries, that he actually will have an opportunity to potentially um, get in the lineup. And uh, I'll tell you what, if he uh, makes that difference and he's in, I mean, he's a dude that is just made for things like the playoffs. And totally. I think it would be a huge shot of energy for the team as well if he got in there and uh, and was playing a role. And you never know who from this roster is not going to be on it after a potential deal. Because as we've seen 
like with potentially having Mason Appleton in that projected trade with Calgary, if you're getting Lindholm along with the prospect in a first round pick, mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets will probably look to open up a spot elsewhere in the lineup just for cap reasons. And then to have a guy in an ELC come in and be able to round that out, I think would be a good thing. And then it also projects to him being in the lineup next year, which I think is pretty much a lock, assuming he does come out, which most people believe he will when uh, things are done for the uh, Wolverines. Well, that's it. I think, you know, I think you nailed it with it. You know, he's got the skill set. He would certainly be an inject of an injection of energy to the group. You know, who knows what his potential could be on the ice. I mean, you could put him as a fourth line winger to bring in some, you know, nasty checking and some scoring ability, or you might even be putting him on your top six wing, you know, or maybe even a, a guy in the front on the power play to pain where the momentum takes you. I just, you know, I certainly think that's definitely in the Jets, um, tool bag as an option. I, I'd, I'd have to think they're seriously weighing that that potential for sure. But uh, I still think the key to this team's success is is adding, um, finding somebody, whether it be a Lindholm, shoring up that center depth if you need to find a winger. Um, so be it defense. I just that's the other part, Haas is like I think if they're looking at a D man, I think they're probably looking to move out a D man. Um, in that group like I don't know how you continue to kind of add on to the add on to the pack so maybe there's potential that somebody you know and that all defensemen d-men are interesting because d-men could be the style in which they play sometimes they can figure well with a different d partner so your decision on who you might see go out the door might be based on who you bring in the in the door so um, again I think it's I think the Jets have put themselves in a prime position to add I think Kevin Chevalier has to add uh, give this team the shot. Um, give the coaching staff and the players. You know the they've earned it. They've they well, put themselves in a D position for a minute. Just that you mentioned, like who is that guy? Like I mean, unless you're trading Billy Hanala as like a top top prospect to get a player in that I guess could potentially happen. Although I think it's less so with the Chisholm move today. Like I don't think it's more. Depending on who you or- want up the right D, it's probably a Neil Peon. You know, like, and I'm not throwing his name out there. I'm just saying in general. You think? I don't saying that I would do it. I'm just saying that, like, you know, would you bring in, like, I mean, if you're going to bring in a high-end D-man, like a Chris Tanev, or, you know, I mentioned, like, a Cam Fowler. Let's let's assume it's Tanev. I mean, if you're bringing Tanev in, and he's going to play in your top six, that moves Pionk, presumably, to a third pairing, likely with Sandberg. Hmm. Nate Schmidt probably moves into uh, into the press box. I mean, I don't know. That's that's that sounds pretty good. And again, that is good. <laughs> they're 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 knowing, like Schmidt. Schmidt's interesting, Schmidt's right? Well, too. Like he's, he's dude. Schmidt's been awesome. Like he really mm-hmm. has been great this year. And uh, listen, I know he's got this albatross six million dollar contract that is probably what well, has been an issue beforehand, and it certainly was an issue when he wasn't playing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, you could potentially move that. Um, I mean, as part of a deal, but I think that all of a sudden there's a cost to moving that contract as well. Well, exactly. And that's why I'm not advocating Neil Pyong. I'm just saying that would, if you're bringing a good guy and somebody wants somebody back, you know, it might be, you know, it might be, but I'm not, you know, I think it it would potentially be Stanley. I mean, Stanley, a a guy, if there is a value to him. I mean, ideally it would be Stanley. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, like, what if you're Calgary and you're training Chris Tanev? I mean, I think you're looking for prospects, picks. I mean, like, that's where Calgary is going to looking to be add to their organization. I mean, getting Neil Pionk with a year left at close to six million dollars 
on an expiring deal, I'm not really sure. I don't really think that that's what Craig Conroy, if anything, a younger player, a cheaper player that they give a chance to play and maybe they like him. Logan Stanley in a new spot maybe looks good. Maybe that's something that probably works and makes more sense with the deal. But if anything, and I think this is why it's one of those trades that would happen closer to the deadline, is that after that, your rosters open up, you can carry more guys. It it might come down that they make a trade. They actually don't move a defenseman out, but Schmidt has to go on waivers for a short period of time. Because I think they'd probably be confident that because of his salary, no one would be picking that up. So he'd be in no man's land for a little bit. And then you're back on the roster as likely the sixth defenseman. I think it, it would logically be him that comes out because I don't think it's Sandberg. It's not Dylan. It's not DeMello. And I wouldn't think it would be Pionk or Morrissey. Um, and at that you point, go. you have an expensive player that is there if you need him, that has played well so far this season, that gives you kind of more depth for a run that would take out. And then in the offseason, if they have to make a tough decision and they realize that they have to buy the guy out on that final deal... Maybe that happens, but I, I don't think, and my personal opinion is, I don't think it would probably happen as part of a deal, but it would be a subsequent move that you know allows them to have more because this goes back to keeping Stanley the way it is. Are they planning on playing him? No. Do they want to play him? No. Do they like having him in the eighth hole if a couple guys get injured? Do they think he'd be more fit for the playoffs? Probably. Seemingly so. And that's and that's it. I mean, I just just to say again, like it wasn't like I was suggesting that the reason I even mentioned Neil Pionk is because of his position on the team and his skill set. So I'm just saying, like you know, like if if you can push down a Neil Pionk to be your third right-handed defenseman, yeah, you're in damn good shape. You're looking a lot like that 2018 team that went on the run with their with with their stellar you know right side of the defense. And you know, you can say the same thing about that team in 2018. Brian Little was the fourth line centerman, making some pretty good money. Yeah, you know, so you know, Monahan playing a fourth line centerman role on that team would make them a Stanley Cup team, probably. You know, and again, we can debate the steepness of the price and and you know what it would cost them and whatnot. I mean, you know, I know first round picks are 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 important to teams and to and, and to organizations, but when you get to the position that the Winnipeg Jets are in, those picks no longer become important. The the the, the priority, the importance becomes winning a Stanley Cup and. How many, t- you know, how many times in the years down the road, Huss, are, are we going to look at this team and go, they're going to be a, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? I mean, who knows? Maybe in five years they are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. But it's feeling right now that with the, with the, with the core players that they have and some of the guys that, like, you know, the Rutger McGrory's will be able to finally kind of come in here and make an impact, that these next two seasons are so massive. It's like, what is this organization waiting for? waiting for a better opportunity than they have now to win a Stanley cup. Like you, you know, they've had the same leadership since the beginning. Now you find yourself in a position where your team's unreal at five on five. You think you can fix the power play. Why not? Why wouldn't you add to this team? You know, all good teams add like, and, and so, you know, I just, I, I'm here to tell you that they will. <laughs> like, I yeah, no, be, of course, exactly. Like, I mean, like to we, think that they won't be, uh, <clears throat> I mean, as I said, like there will definitely be deals happening with the Winnipeg Jets. And I think we can all say that they will be buyers as opposed to sellers. As I said, that first round pick, good is gone. And they're hopeful that it's going to be 20. Well, they're hopeful it's going to be 32, but, you know, 31, 30, because they have the potential to, you know, to go on a long playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, you know, the the focus right now is whatever the the number one priority ad 
I think as we've sort of shaken it down, it is going to be in the middle, like a guy that can actually play center, can win face-offs, can play with top players in that top six. And then, again, I wouldn't surprise me if there was a couple deals. Like, if it doesn't happen where you get a player like Tanev, um, you know, I think then you're looking at a couple, uh, maybe at least one ad on the periphery of the defense of a guy, and they've done this before, Jordy Ben. I mean, whatever, a guy that comes in. You know, there's some names sort that of I, seven, there's some names seven or eight. Hear, hearing too, not necessarily connected to Winnipeg, but guys that have been, you know, whatever. Like guys like Mario Ferraro on San Jose. You know, those oh, are kind guy. of the, fr- you know, fringe guys kind of, you know, that that's a guy, you know, there's Andrew Peak. You know, he's, he's, he's another option. And, um, you know, like there are, there are, I, I'm a, I agree with you, but I just think it's one of those, I think the jet, the jets are obviously going to be active, but it's whether or not, you know, it's who they end up with in their competition for who they're, you know, who they're playing, you know, who they're battling, you know, there's other teams that are going to be looking to grow too. So to like, like zero in on Lindholm and the thing I like about Lindholm too, is that, you know, he, life isn't so great for him when he didn't have, you know, he doesn't have those guys on his wings. Right. And and in and in a in a contract year like he is to be in Winnipeg might seem like a really good sales pitch to be like, hey, did you see what happened to Paul Stastny? You know, do you see what happened to him when he came to Winnipeg? See what he was able to do, and then he came back, and so we'll welcome you back too if you leave as well. So it's like you know, it's it's um, I I do think he's the main priority. I think there are other options. There's got to be other options. I just think I guess the point isn't. I think we we can all agree that he's going that the Jets are going to be buyers at the deadline. It's just are they going to buy the right pieces? Are they going to be in on those on those pieces? Well, are those never guys available right now? And this is the thing. I mean, I know we'd all love to happen this right now, but is Calgary ready to trade trade these guys right now? I mean, the best thing if you are looking for moving sooner as opposed to later, more towards the deadline, is the fact that they lost four of five. They lost four of five heading into this game, uh, heading into the player break. I mean, they squeaked out a one nothing win over the Blackhawks, but they just lost 5-2 to Columbus. They blew it in overtime and lost to the Blues. Everyone's losing to the Oilers right now, and they lost 4-3 to the Maple Leafs. Before that, they won four in a row. Um, and, I mean, they're right at 500. And if you look at the standings when it comes to the wild card, Calgary right now, is in so the wild cards are LA and St. Louis, both at 54 points. The Predators are at 53. The Cracker are at fewer games. 52, right. exactly. Coyotes at 49. And then the Calgary Flames are at 49 points in 49 games. And if you, and then if you have Minnesota listening. below them at 47 points. So exactly. It's not I like mean, you don't have the Minnesota Wild nipping at their heels, too. So they're so I think they're getting close to being in a situation where I think they're ready to recognize where they're at. They're probably not making the playoffs and then make that deal because there is so much competition. Um, And I mean, listen, they're on a pace to have 82 points. 82 points will probably get you picking, I don't know, eighth or ninth in the uh, eighth or ninth in the, in the draft. Exactly. So there's lots of, lots of stuff. Hey, quickly um, uh, to the bombers, Um, you know, pretty big signing with Kolonkowski coming back today. I mean, he's a guy we know we've talked about the regulars that have been, but I mean, he really emerged as an important part of that bomber offensive line. Nice to see him get a deal done before potentially being out there because you know he would have had interest around the league. Yeah, that's uh, Chris Colon. I don't even want to say understated because anyone who follows the bombers know how well mm-hmm. he's played. Um, 
since taking over from Michael Couture a couple of years ago and then being the, you know, the, the starter all of last season, he's got an interesting story. Like he, he kind of, he been with the Bombers since that COVID year, 2020. And, you know, he, he, he was noticed at a camp, like, like he was brought back, like his football life was over. It's kind of like, he didn't give up on himself. His family didn't give up on him, but his dream was over. And then they recognized him at a camp. He went out to like a U.S. camp or something and they brought him back. And then they liked him, and then he got his chance to shine with Michael Couture. And then he, because of the way he played with the salary that he had, I mean, he was getting paid significantly less money than Michael Couture. He established himself as this, as a team starter on the league's best offensive line. So when he came in, he was cheap last year and the year before. And so this year he was, you know, so he has that, like, I don't know, owing the Bombers thing, for lack of a better explanation but at the same time rising to be one of the best centermen like pro football talk or pro football focus or whatever uh they they identified him as like the number one lineman for a few different weeks in 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 the league not just on the bombers in the league so he was getting a lot of clout like he was he was making a name for himself i thought that there definitely would have been teams interested in investing um in him at center but he kind of had to figure out that place because Tui Eli was the guy in behind him and the bombers were are pretty high on him. He's 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 on he's on under contract for 3 seasons. He can play guard, he can play center and so I was curious to know what that negotiation would be. Now we see the numbers, it's like 130 grand this season, 140 next season. It almost like he split the difference, right? Like that happy medium. Like his value his value is probably 150, 160 elsewhere, maybe even more. Um with a different team but, you know, understanding the culture here, his success here, um, being, you know, working with that O-line, the benefits, right? The things that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have, have, have added to their, you know, weaponry, if you will, is a great culture, is a great franchise. And so, you know, I think when it came down to dollars and cents, it made more sense for him to take less money, maintain his position as the starter and sign on for two more seasons because, you know, we're looking at 2025 where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are hosting the Grey Cup. You know, they've made some moves to kind of bring as many people as they can um, here. He's also going to be 32 next month. So it'll be interesting. You still got a couple good years in him, but I'm, you know, I think it's a big win for the Bombers to to shore up that, that position, to get it at a fair market value price, maybe even below uh, fair market value price. And then all those pennies and cents that they save they can clearly use for guys like a Brady Oliveira or Dalton Schoen, two high-end free agents who they haven't inked yet. And as we get closer to that February 4th opening of that legal tampering week, then, of course, February 13th when the market officially opens, maybe we can get some clarity or some answers there before those dates hit. Well, we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you next week for the latest on the CFL. And until then, T-Swift on repeat for the next 13 days, buddy. It will, uh, it will get, we'll get into the Super Bowl as well next week. Thanks, uh, thanks for doing this as always. Hey, Haas, thanks a lot for having me. I've actually started listening to that um, the Kelsey Brothers podcast. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty funny. Oh, it's so I'm funny. Jumping on to the, uh, the Swift Bowl. I see, you know, what a uh, – talk about the script of the NFL, eh? No one saw that one coming. But, hey, you know, those, those, those script writers are working hard in those rooms. And who knows, man? You know, I'm going to see Taylor Swift on the field for one last championship. That would be wild. But good luck to you, Haas. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's become an old hat for you now, but uh, the Chiefs are a beast. They're a machine. Someone's got to get in the way of them. And until then, they're still the, they're still the best.
Got to beat the best to be the best. Yeah, that never gets old. Well, uh, Connor's going to be joining us. He's all hyped up about the Niners' yeah. big comeback, so we'll get into that. Uh, take it easy, totally. man. We'll what catch an, up later on this week. What an emotional roller coaster that would have been. All right, take care, guys. <laughs> You're the best, one. buddy. There's Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Nice to uh, pop in with a little CFL note on that Kolonkowski signing. Um, of course, we'll have lots more on Bomber Free Agency and CFL Free Agency coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, of course, all our Bomber reports brought to you by the proud sponsor and now title sponsor of the home of the Bombers, Princess Auto Stadium. Our great friends at Princess Auto, the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Proudly Winnipeg headquartered right here. Pop by and see them at one of their two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. I have a feeling we'll... Uh, I haven't quite ordered that AFC Champions hat yet from uh, Royal because I'm hoping to wait a couple weeks and get the uh, the Super Bowl version. Um, but, of course, when you're thinking about merch for your favorite team, there's only one place to go in Winnipeg, and that is Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Um, tons of Jets gear, Bomber gear, NFL gear, not to mention Major League Baseball. Hard to believe, just a couple weeks before pitchers and catchers reports, NBA, international soccer, and of course the biggest and best hockey section in town, as well as recreational skates. A lot less than, uh, you know, maybe your high-end hockey skate for folks that just want to take in the trails or get on the outdoor rinks or learn to skate. Um, not to mention snowboards, boots, binding, tons of cool stuff on this King Skate Snow and Surf side. See it for yourself. 40,000 square feet of great deals at 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. And, uh, man, it was a good day to be at BP yesterday. Ice cold schooners, those world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and an unbelievable couple of football games, which we'll get into uh, when you uh, want to go out and gather with the gang for the big game. The best place to do it is your local Boston pizza. And if you are staying at home, you can always order online and get the great taste of BP delivered to your door via bostonpizza.com. And just before we bring in Connor and Remo to chop up the NFL, don't forget summer is coming, folks, and uh, now's a great time to go to AkinsLake.com and start checking out possibilities for an unbelievable fly-in fishing trip right here in Manitoba where you can be on the uh, water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And as incredible as the fishing is, the only thing better is the unbelievable Aikens experience put forth by the Terren family and the Aikens Lake team. You can find out more online uh, on social media at Aikens Lake on all the platforms, but go to AikensLake.com. Availability is diminishing for the upcoming year, so we'll get on it right now. All right, we've talked a lot of Jets, and actually we will talk Jets right off the bat here. I really, I, it's taken every bit of my uh, willpower not to just dive into the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl again. We're going to do that in just a minute, but let's get uh, Remus and Connor Rabchak in to uh, join us on the three box here. And Reem, just before we talk to Connor, that was some good stuff with uh, with Hammer. I mean, the uh, the concept of you know leaning in early um, is something we hear each and every year. It maybe not quite this early, but I wouldn't be surprised if teams like the Winnipeg Jets and a few others maybe make a more aggressive move coming out of the player break and not wait right till the first month of March. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, why are you waiting until the deadline? If you get them earlier, you can have them in your lineup earlier. I think it's pretty clear what the Jets' needs are. They know, and if you can get the jump and make a move before the deadline, you get them for more games. And so, yeah, I'm all for that. I think GMs are kind of smartening up. There the last couple of years as James Duthie is sitting there with no trades to talk about on the deadline day. So uh, I think it'll be interesting if they do uh, go and pull the triggers, as we've seen, like they don't really have a, a second line center with Mark Shrifley out. So hopefully Shrifley's back for them, but they'll, they're going to need to do something at the deadline. And when the, historically, when the Jets have been in this position in a playoff spot, they have added at the deadline. So I'm curious what Chevrolet, because we can talk about all these names. And throw out all these deadline lines. Everyone's like, in the comments, like, yeah, everyone knows Chevy gets an off the board name. It's like, well, we can't really talk about them because that's why, because the, they're off the board. We just, we well, can go. Fine, but if we're talking yeah. about guys that are on the board, again, the important thing to mention is like for everyone that just wants Elias Lindholm to show up in Winnipeg right now, I mean, you know, it takes two to tango. And I'm not sure that the Calgary Flames are uh, yet in a position that um, they're ready to uh, throw the white flag. Although, to be honest, as we just mentioned where they are heading into the break, they're pretty damn close if you are realistically evaluated. Connor, what's going on? How are you? Feeling good. Uh, went through all the emotions yesterday. Um, I really like uh, Remus going with the the Rob Lowe NFL hat yes. as we, we each have our, <laughs> our teams. Yeah. He said that before. He goes, well, Connor will be wearing his Niner stuff. I know you'll be wearing your Chief stuff. And I'm like, do you have a ref jersey you could possibly put on? That would be great. Got- He's like, no, I've got my NFL hat. Go Show NFL. To the guys at Royal Sports. Yeah, and you do have stripes on there. Hey, there listen, before we get to the NFL, um, the big news, and it sort of broke right off the top of the show. We talked about it for a bit. Um, Declan Chisholm getting nabbed on waivers. Can't say it's a surprise. I mean, we'd heard for a while that if he was ever exposed, there might be a chance that they would lose him. They did to Minnesota. Um, just what do you make of it, as well as the timing of it? Because I'll be honest, as I was driving a pick up a friend to go watch the game yesterday. That wasn't really what I was expecting to hear about a Winnipeg Jet um, player move, albeit putting somebody on waivers. Yeah, it's definitely shocking. You know, they had to make a move for for someone, for Shifley and Gustafson to come off IR eventually. Hanel is getting healthy. Uh, maybe they call him up. But Remus said it uh, when he was asked about it earlier in the program. Like, we were expecting this to happen, what, at the start of training camp? So in a bigger picture sense, the timing of it is way off because we all thought this was going to happen at the end of training camp. If Hanela didn't get hurt, maybe this would have happened, right? Maybe um, Chisholm would have been waved right out of training camp and maybe would have cleared. But it's just this point in the season, maybe Minnesota's banged up. Yeah, Jared Spurgeon's out for the year, so why not take a flyer? Maybe there's a little bit of pettiness because uh, they don't like the Jets, so why not take one of their players? But um, yeah, they, they really like them. Why not take a shot? They're out of a playoff spot. They have injuries. The The timing kind of worked well for Minnesota. Um, and I wasn't too, too shocked. Uh, I knew someone was going to have to go on waivers. Was I shocked it was Chisholm over Stanley? That's a that's a debate for another time. But yeah, it was definitely came out of nowhere for sure. You know, it, it, it is kind of funny that it is Minnesota Ream in that I really thought that, you know, if a player like this was exposed, we're probably talking about maybe Anaheim. Now they just traded Drysdale. Um, Certainly Chicago has been, I mean, there's plenty of room for NHL players on that team, San Jose. Um, But really, and this is is sort of funny, just another good way to poke the wild. They were pretty high up on the priority order, uh, only ahead of Chicago, San Jose, Anaheim, Ottawa, and Columbus by points right now in the National Hockey League, which uh, which is something. 
Yeah, I thought Minnesota was higher. Usually they're hovering there in a playoff spot, but they're pretty down there. And yeah, you thought you knew he's going to go to a team that was not great if he's going to pick it up, similar to how Johnny Kovacevic went to Montreal because you know, they're not great and they need guys who are NHL caliber players. And uh, Kovacevic, you know, didn't really get the chance here to prove he was capable, but we thought that he might be. And same with Chisholm, he's played four NHL games, but he's excelled, excelled in the AHL. Uh, HL level. Oh, there's Jeff in, in chat. But um, yeah, Minnesota, it's kind of funny. We've been counting down to this February 20 um, game with the Jets and Wild, the big rematch. And since then, the Jets have surged and the Wild went on a huge losing streak and have had even more injuries. Do I think this, does Chisholm end up dropping the gloves with someone? Is something, does he get worked his way in? Does he become a some type of peacemaker. I don't think anything is going to happen. Uh, I do know we will have a tribute video, right? Us, there should be. He is going to get a tribute video, right? There's going to be something during that, and just a lot of like you know fun locker room shots, um, practice shots. I mean, he was in two games this year, um, <clears throat> but listen, I mean, he was in a tough spot. This is a this is good for him. I mean, I, I keep on saying it, but this is why the waiver rules are what they are. Because there are guys that get buried on teams where they're at nine, eight, or nine on the depth chart, which is obviously where he was if we include Billy, and um, probably wasn't going to get in to play other than a crazy run of injuries. So um, he gets a chance to go to a, a weaker team that's not as um, you know that has an opportunity for him, and he goes and does it. I mean, if there was a trade opportunity, they do it. Uh, this happens, as I said, Calgary lost two players last week on waivers. So uh, so that is where it's at. Again, if you want more from Connor on the Jets, make sure to go to the YouTube channel once you're done uh, watching the show today or listening or the podcast. Latest Jets this week up. Not quite as glorious of a mood considering the loss to the Leafs on the weekend and uh, only one point in the last three games. Uh, but overall, still in a real good position heading into the zone. But guys, let's get to it. The Super Bowl matchup is set. The Chiefs, the Niners, a rematch of Super Bowl 54. Um, well, Connor, let's start with you. I mean, quite the roller coaster yesterday afternoon. And be honest, be honest. What were you saying and how were you feeling at halftime when the Niners were down 17 points after uh, a phenomenal first half by the Lions? I'll just say the people I was watching with, I'm an absolute mood killer. I am like a miserable person to watch 49ers <laughs> games with because at halftime, I'm just sitting there on my phone, just like no one's talking to me. I'm just like, this is the worst. Like come all this way just to get blown out by the Lions at home. Uh, no, but then the it, what the deficit got erased in eight minutes in the third quarter. It's an unbelievable roller coaster of emotions. It's a game I'll never forget. It's, it's the reason you you root for teams and why you love sports. Like the, the roller coaster of emotions is is nuts. Um, and yeah, I mean, what a game! I'll I'll never forget that game for the rest of my life. A, a seventeen point deficit is erased in eight minutes, and now they get a chance at revenge against the team that they lost to um, just before the pandemic hit. Like the script, like Jeff Hamilton said it right at the end. The scriptwriters hard at work, um, and they were hard at work for the for the 49ers. Two comebacks in the playoffs, two very stressful games. Uh, but hey, they're in the Super Bowl. So it's all yeah, that matters. I mean, listen, it's all about getting there and then what you do in the game. All right. This is the why not question of the day. 
Uh, and I'm going to put this to you, Michael. You can answer live. Everybody else answer in the chat. Why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery? Did the 49ers win that game or did the Lions lose it? Oh, man. I think are going to have to be a Baltimore. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. the 49ers won. I think they had to make a number of incredible plays. You know, I'm seeing all this hate over and over for Brock Purdy that he's not a real quarterback, he's not a star, uh, he's worse than a game manager, he can't get it done. I mean, yeah, he didn't look great in the first half, but he came out and made plays there. Uh, the rollout to Kyle Juszczyk, who did his best a Brandon Lloyd impression with the twinkle toes on the sideline, giving me flashbacks, was incredible. Uh, Jennings over the middle, they just and you know Christian McCaffrey breaking huge runs. They had to go out and make plays. Yes, maybe the Lions gave them the game a little, but the 49ers they went out and took it. So I give all the credit to the 49ers. And you know we're in the Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, Discord where we're all talking about the game. And I was like, I don't know, guys, uh, this game's not over. There's a lot of time left. I've watched a lot of these. You know, I had Brock Purdy and McCaffrey on my fantasy team with the uh, media league. So I watch a lot of their games and there's just a lot of a lot of time left. And, you know, maybe the game changed on the Ayuk, you know, on the Ayuk yeah. long catch and, and then the well, fumble okay, right after. talks but... about that catch. <laughs> Was that not being flagged for P.I. anyways? Well, no. OK, so they picked it up. They picked up the flag. Uh, and said there was no penalty, but then he caught it anyway. So if he had dropped it, that would have just been an incomplete pass. So the the catch still was so, like so incredible it, and, so, and made a difference. But like, how is that not PI? I was pretty. Well, I mean, I, and they threw a that, flag but, on it. I mean, I guess yeah. it's easy to pick it up because it doesn't matter at that point. Right. But I, right. the more I looked at that, I'm like, why is everyone freaking out about this? There was a flag right there. They Obviously picked it, picked it yeah. up. Listen, I'm the thing. I'm going to ride with the chat, who is almost overwhelmingly saying that the Lions lost it. Thanks, Campbell. Dan Campbell, what were you thinking? Lions lost it. Lions lost it. Lions lost. Detroit lost. Lions lost it. Lions lost it. Teach at the bed. Dan lost the game. To me, there was two things that happened in the second half. Now, it's easy to talk about Dan Campbell, and I will. I thought that it was, I guess, at a certain point, you need to read the room. And more importantly, read the scoreboard. They did not need to be as hyper-aggressive. And I know people will say, that's the way they are. That's the way they've been at all times. Well, sometimes discretion is the better form of valor. And I, I have to admit, I mean, the first time they went for it on that fourth down, all right, I, I can live with that. When you After you've gotten them back in the game, and you're down three points, and you have a makeable field goal. And I know people can say their kicker sucks. Well, that's on them. If your yeah. kicker can't make a 47-48 yarder in a playoff game, maybe you don't belong there because kicking is still a part of the game as much as Detroit tries to tries to eliminate it. I mean, if they kick a field goal there, yes, San Francisco came down. The D was doing nothing. They scored a touchdown. Well, Detroit came right back and did that, and that would have been a tie game. Or... To be honest, speaking of going for it, if they had kicked that field goal, San Francisco scores that touchdown, they still have the opportunity, if he really wants to slap them on the table, to go for two and try and win the game. Well, you can't win the game when you're down 10. And that's where they were at the end of that. But to me, 
when I say the Lions lost it, Dan Campbell certainly has to own part of it. But honestly, it was execution of a team that just didn't seem to be ready for the moment uh, as big as it was in the second half of that game. The two drops by Reynolds, including one on a fourth down, that obviously made Dan Campbell look bad, maybe regret it. You have to have those. And you cannot put the ball on the carpet in your own end like the way they did. That's an instant seven points for a team that'll jump on you. And Connor, I mean, you know, you have to respect the Niners and the way they bounce back. But in a lot of ways, I think the Lions self-inflicted a number of things. Like, they were playing well enough that if they just don't make any mistakes with a 17-point lead, they're at worst... In overtime, I think, or in a nail biter, not looking yeah. for an onside kick to keep their season alive. And especially with how well they were running the ball, like San Francisco could not stop the run in the first half. Even in the second half, Detroit had kind of had to go away from it because they were losing like in the blink of an eye. But yeah, that that little sequence where they score a touchdown, very first run, fumble back in the red zone, touchdown. That that was unbelievable. Um, and yeah, let. Uh, Remus brought him up, but Brock Purdy, like everyone was, you know, on Twitter firing off their hot takes after the first half. CJ Gardner Johnson was on the sideline waving bye to the 49ers fans. Um, and He's everyone, an yeah, yeah, that guy needs and, to uh, shut up. <laughs> and the funniest thing, the Brock Purdy throws a pick, he, his arm got hit, it wasn't his fault. Um, and then CJ Gardner Johnson blindside hits Debo Samuel. The Lions would have been in the red zone with a chance to get seven. And then they go all the way back in their own end. I think they ended up getting a touchdown anyways. But I'm like, it's just such a dumb play. It's like the taunting in the Chiefs game. But Brock Purdy, the second half, unbelievable performance. I think he was 13 for 16. He had 50 yards rushing. All of his rushes came on clutch, like second downs, third downs. Got to have him. Um, and here you go. Mr. Irrelevant, 262nd pick against, what, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. And people are saying... Oh, this isn't the Super Bowl we wanted. America wanted to see the Ravens versus the Lions. This is this is an incredible story. This is a an undrafted quarterback, basically, out of Iowa State, who's going up against the GOAT, basically. Like not in terms of accolades, but maybe the the bet most talented quarterback of all time. So I'm I'm beyond excited for two I, Sundays from now. I do want to say I gotta give a shout out to just how weird was it seeing the Detroit Lions blue. In an NFC championship yeah. game. <laughs> it was. I was like, it am was. I in real life right now? And then, like, the first half, you're like, wow, like, the Lions in the Super Bowl? This is, something's not that right was, here. I, I was yeah. legit, I was legit, like, at halftime yeah. of that game going, oh, my God. Yeah. The Lions are up 17 at halftime in the in an NFC yeah. championship game. Like, they could very well be. And I was still sort of on the high from the Chiefs and I was enjoying the game and I was going to think about the matchup once it was over. But it was uh, it, it was crazy. And listen, that Niner team, they have been so good for so long. I know they feel they, they owe the Chiefs one from the way that the Chiefs came back in the fourth quarter. And uh, I will say this, they're going to need to be better for 60 minutes if they want to beat Kansas City than they've been in either of these, uh, in either of these two playoff yeah. games. And the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back. What They're was back. it that I said, Reem? They were going to just move past this and then just win the rest of the way and mm. be there in Vegas. Yes, I what? don't recall. They're, ba- they're back in Vegas. Folks. They're back in Vegas. Um, 
that was a first off, that was a Spags masterclass. And it was crazy all week long, people talking about Baltimore and how great Lamar has been in this Lamar matchup and the coaching and the, the, the Lamar versus Mahomes and Harbaugh versus Reed. And everyone's talking about this incredible Ravens defense. No one was talking about the Chiefs defense, which was crazy. Overall defense this year, Baltimore, six. Kansas City, two. And that defense put on a performance for the ages. And, and you know, we know that Mahomes can do everything. I mean, he literally has done it. I mean, back when their defense was terrible, he had to go out and win games 45-42. You know, put up 40 points, and we should be able to win these track meets. This is very different right now. Their offense is different. They don't have the same amount of weapons. But part of that is because they have the best defense in the Mahomes era. And the game plan that Spags put together to neutralize Lamar Jackson gave him fits. Um, it turned him into old playoff Lamar, who's now two and four lifetime, um, losing a number of games as favorites. And um, and it also turned Patrick Mahomes into, if you can believe this, a game manager in the second half. Like it was wild watching that. And but you know, unlike Detroit, they knew. Their defense was playing at such a high level that they didn't need to do anything crazy. They didn't need to get hyper-aggressive on third downs. They needed to keep the clock moving. They needed to get a couple first downs. They needed to play positional football and field position and, you know, play good special teams. And they did all of that. They frustrated the hell out of Lamar. And, um, I mean, at the end, it did end up with one ballsy play on a third down to win the game that too mvs of all guys who by the way has gone back to back with huge games in the conference championship i was there in kansas city last year against the bengals he'd had a miserable season he was huge in that game and again only had one catcher up until that point but with the game on the line secured the football victory formation and made it happen but um Mahomes was brilliant in the first half going up against touchdowns on those first two drives. Did not have to be. And Connor, I will say this. I think Andy Andy left a lot of his his A playbook in the pocket yesterday because um, it ended up being field position and defense in the second half. And they were never really forced to go guns blazing like they were in the first half getting up to that lead. Yeah, and I think there was a fourth and one where they ran just kind of inside zone, like handoff to Pacheco. And I was like, fourth and one? Like, usually the Chiefs come out in some, like, ring around the rosy, like, gimmicky uh, throwback to Patrick Mahomes play. Like, the most random thing you've ever seen. Not some regular handoff. I was like, they're kind of they're looking a little reserved. But, um, yeah, they got the win, so it didn't really matter. Um, another thing on this game, I'm sure we'll get into the cool bet lines in a second and talk about the spread, but... I, were you shocked to see that the Niners came out as favorites as the opening line? I was. No. no really? I mean, I, like, put it this way. If you had told me before the week that the Chiefs and Niners win, what would the what would the line be? I would have thought that it would have probably been yeah. around what the Ravens were favored over the Chiefs this week in the three-and-a-half, three-point sort of thing. I guess there's no home field. So I thought that it would be around three. I, I think that the way the Niners won their game and the fact that they have basically had to pull these two games out against teams in Green Bay and Detroit, 
I think maybe, and, and the way their defense looked, to be honest, I think maybe yeah. hurt their case a little bit. But I thought that it would be, I, I thought that they'd be a slight favorite. And, mm. you know, it was funny. It dropped on some books at three, like oh, right yeah. after the game. It immediately got bet down to one and a half. And I'm looking at it right now. It was one earlier today. It's back to one and a half. And the Chiefs are back to plus money for the money line. But this is going to be as close to a pick em. Um, and I guess I said all last week, I thought that the public money would come on Mahomes and the Chiefs closer to the game. I was wrong. It was all on Baltimore. And that's why we ended up getting it four or even four and a half. And the money line kept on going up. I'm not sure we get too much of a change on this. Like, I think the minute this thing gets to two or two and a half, Chiefs money will come right back on it. And from the looks of it, you know, people will still be, there's a lot of people that will still be backing the Niners uh, for what they have. So, yeah, right now as we speak, Niners minus 122 in the money line, Chiefs plus 103. Um, they were minus 102 a little earlier right now. So we certainly do have that great matchup. And, you know, uh, this is the other thing why I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that they're back in the game is that, you know, they do have this championship pedigree. And I said all along, like, kind of half joking, um, but more trying to convince myself that uh, the Chiefs were sort of playing, playing possum or playing rope-a-dope all year long. But in a lot of ways, they were building up to get to this point. And championship teams know that, you know what, that Week 11 game where you didn't look really good, uh, didn't look very good, made a couple mistakes, as long as you learn from those and are ready to not do it again in the postseason, you're fine. You're all good. And, you know, I know Mahomes can't win on the road. Well, guess what? He's never lost on the road now in the playoffs. So, I mean, they, they've done it all. But guys that did not look good in the regular season, namely one T. Kelsey, came forth with an all-time performance yesterday. And, and you know, I think he was – 10 catches on 10 targets in the first half for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And, guys, I said on Twitter last night, I believed it. I mean, I've watched these guys every game for the last, well, six years since Mahomes started to be a quarterback. They they have the, the chemistry between those guys is literally second nature. And the only thing I can compare it to that would be is the Sedin twins because it almost seems like they're reading each other's minds and – the performance of Kelsey and Mahomes in particular in a game where Rashi Rice had some, but other than that, I mean, you had two catches for Noah Gray, two for MVS, couple for Pacheco. You kind of knew who was who was going to, and they couldn't do anything about it. But um, listen, if, if you didn't want to see a lot of Taylor Swift, I got bad news, everybody, because not only are the Chiefs in there, but Kelsey's playing some of his best football we've seen in a long time. And, that's going to mean a lot of attention on the world's greatest pop superstar. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'll say this about the Chiefs. Us, uh, I think in the playoffs they play a bit different. You know, in the regular season, Connor mentioned they're pretty lax when they get into the red zone. They'll try all this, you know, dumb stuff. But uh, in the playoffs, they've kind of figured out, hey, we have two guys who can catch the ball. We're only going to throw to them. And Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey. Oh, Pacheco, he's actually pretty solid at running back, even though his yards per carry was not great. And one thing Patrick Mahomes does more in the playoffs than the regular season, he uses his legs. As he, I only had uh, 15 rushing yards yesterday, but uh, six carries. I don't think we talked enough about Baltimore, Huss. I think the game, you know, you talk about which team lost it more. I think Baltimore um, 
blew it more than Detroit, to be honest. This was their chance. They're at home. Lamar Jackson's having an MVP season. And the game was there. The Chiefs only scored 17 points. And, you know, turnovers were absolutely huge. Lamar fumbling. You mentioned the Zay Flowers fumbling. And then that interception to Isaiah Likely was absolutely brutal in triple coverage. So I think, you know, the Ravens had chance after chance to go. And uh, their offense couldn't couldn't do anything. And you look at, this is going to be talked about for a long time, how, you know, they've been a running team all season. By far, by far, the least number of carries. And it wasn't like... They were, you know, down where he, five carries where he had to backs? throw. Um, yeah, something. It was six. I, uh, yeah, five to running backs. So, um, pretty bizarre when their whole season has been, you know, running the ball, running the ball, and you weren't even down, and you get, you know, you're down and you abandon it. So I think, you know, they hadn't dominated everyone all year. Had never really been in this position, and I don't know. That's going to be looked at, I think, for a long time. How they got away. From the run, especially after you saw Buffalo and James Cook gash them last year, and their run defense way worse than their pass defense. Uh, very strange. And yeah, Casey didn't really need to do anything. No points in the second half. So just a kind of a weird, a weird game. This one. Well, and here's the thing. Um, you know what the Chiefs did on their first two drives, going down for touchdowns. I think totally changed the scenario for the Ravens. Because I think they felt, and they love being up. They love running the football. They love running the clock. Well, that's what the Chiefs did. They kept that offense off. I think nine minutes was the first drive, and over seven minutes was the second drive. Lamar just sitting there on the sidelines watching Mahomes do his thing. And then when they came back and got the ball, I mean, so let's talk about these these um, these six uh, rushes to the running backs. There was three to Gus Edwards for 20 yards. He had one 15-yarder, one really positive run. Well, the other two was average two and a half. Justice Hill, he ran three times for three yards. And then, boom, they're in second and long again, and Spags is like, all right, right where we want him. We're going to make sure that Lamar doesn't get away on us and force him to throw the football. And if you want a couple guys to look at from the Chiefs side of things, like their secondary – the, the hits that Reed was putting on yesterday were unbelievable. But Trent McDuffie, first uh, team all pro, absolutely locked down the Buffalo receivers. And I know Flowers got loose on that one play uh, behind, I think it was Bolton at the time, um, which is not a great matchup um, for uh, for the club. But Legereus Sneed's been lights out all year long, got overlooked for all pro, I think partially because a lot of times teams just don't want to throw to him. But that play on the goal line to punch the ball at a Zay Flowers, who, you know, if he had a little bit more awareness, could have tucked that thing, would have gotten in no problem. That is what, I mean, that honestly separates teams with that championship pedigree and teams that are talented um, but screw up the wrong times. And Flowers was a perfect example of it, an idiotic taunting penalty where he hit all three notes, pushed the guy down, spun the ball, and stood over him. I mean, you do one or two of those, you're probably not getting called. You go for the full trifecta, you're getting it, and then to uh, to blow it later on. And then it just you don't want to talk about lack of composure. Then he punches something on the sidelines and cuts up his hand. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't you couldn't. I mean, 
The Chiefs are a team that have been there before. They showed it yesterday. And the one thing I'll say to you, Remus, about the offense in the second Mm -hmm. half, I kind of mentioned it. Like, they were just managing that game, managing the lead, managing that clock, not making any mistakes that would really get Baltimore back in the game. Because I think I realized the way that their defense was playing, um, the way that they kind of had the had the, the script for Lamar Jackson to limit him, um, put them in control that entire time, and they never really felt like they were in danger of losing it. I'll just say I hate the taunting penalty. It is really stupid, but that was the most textbook taunting uh, that you'll yeah. see. And yeah. the t- it's, it's in the rule book. Don't do it in a playoff game in the second half when you desperately need every single yard. Yeah, staring down at the guy, like shoving him off you, spinning the ball. It was just had all the elements of a clear taunt. And the taunting is the dumbest. <laughs> the dumbest rule in the in the thing. But I mean, you saw well, that. I knew that it was dumb. I, mean, I knew you it was don't, like if you don't want guys fighting on the field. Get- is it not? You Kate? don't do that. Whenever the defense gets a turnover and the whole team goes and dances in the end zone, is that not taunting? Is that what? Because it's not no. over the opponent. Steam's taunting, taunting to me. So how's that? De- no, I don't like, know. Listen, it's the taunting so... penalty is is one on one. Is things to it to prevent guys it's... from from punching guys? You know, and, you know, in inciting. Mm. No. Fights outside of the whistles. It's too up for Very interpretation, clearly. although that was a clear taunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was dumb. <laughs> so, um, so, Connor, how are you feeling now? Like, about where your team is at, knowing that um, you're going up against a team that always seems to find a way to win. And you Honest- obviously oh. remember how they found a way to win in Super Bowl yeah. 54, I'm sure. Yeah. Honestly, given how the past two games have gone, just lucky to be here. Like, just lucky that they're in the Super Bowl because they needed a picture-perfect second half, uh, or at least uh, last six minutes against the Packers, um, and then they needed a picture-perfect second half against the Lions. So the fact that they're even here uh, with a chance of revenge, I mean, it would have been revenge regardless because if the Ravens had won, uh, that would be revenge for everyone who will remember, like the blackout Superdome game where the lights went out and the Niners almost came back. Uh but it would have been revenge for either 2012 or 2019 or 2020. Uh, so wh- whichever way, but the more recent one, let's do it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I feel a lot better this time around with Brock Purdy over Jimmy G. Wasn't a big Jimmy G fan. Uh, Brock Purdy has like all, all the confidence in the world from me. And uh, yeah, feel, feeling good. I was, I was shocked that the Niners were favored, especially since like all things equal. You just look, it's Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. I, that just kind of shocked me that the Niners came out favorite when you just look at the quarterback, the most important position. But it just speaks to how many weapons the Niners have. And it'll be a great game. You talked about the Chiefs defense shutting down the Ravens. The key will be the Niners being able to run on first down because they can't get into second and long. That's what killed the Ravens. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got a long time until we got to talk about the X's and O's about the game. But I'm, I'm just lucky, lucky, feeling lucky that they're actually in this position at all, given how the games went. I'm feeling lucky just to be alive and a Chiefs <laughs> fan during the Mahomes era right now. I, I, I will yep. admit that during parts of the season, I kind of felt that maybe this wasn't their year. But I did always lean on the fact that this defense was quietly turning into a unit unlike anything the Kansas City's had before, and they can win games in many different ways, and they... They did it again against against the Ravens. And by the way, the Ravens were absolute dummies. 
at the start. They were talking so much shit all week long. This, the amount of bulletin board material that they put out. And then I don't know what the hell Justin Tucker was doing at the start of the game, setting up in the end zone while Mahomes and Kelsey are like, just why poke the bear? Why poke the bear? I think the Niners will be smart enough to avoid that. Um, yeah. Because Mahomes was, and I mean, Mahomes in that game, in the last couple of games too, like all these guys are talking so much stuff to him and you hear him mic'd up and he's like, hey, great hit. He's doing it with the smiling. <laughs> it must have just drove them nuts because he um, he was playing with a confidence level that um, no, not too many guys have. Uh, and certainly he's the one guy that has truly, truly earned it. It was uh, was a heck of a Sunday in the NFL, and we've got 13 days until Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas between the Niners and the Chiefs. Again, right now, cool bet lines, Niners one-and-a-half-point favorites, minus 122 on the money line. And Patrick Mahomes, the greatest underdog in sports history, now 10-1-1. Oh. and one. <laughs> Is plus one hundred and three, and now an underdog. He's, yeah, he's an, an underdog, underdog. against Jetley and again against Mister Irrelevant. He's an underdog. Like that makes no sense to me. Whatever. <laughs> well, the uh, hey, listen, the Niners are a hell of a team, and they have been the favorite all yeah. year long. And uh, I don't think it's a surprise that they're a slight favorite. In fact, I think the way they looked and the way the Chiefs have looked these last couple weeks has made this closer than it would have been. Um, uh, a little, uh, you know, a little while ago. Um, so there you have it. We'll get into, we've already got a bunch of game props and touchdown scores and TD scores. We'll have lots of time to talk about that. Taylor Swift uh, camera cuts. Yeah. The, well, I don't know. That, that was yet? a, no. <laughs> that'll be specials. That'll be specials at some point. Okay. Okay. Uh, but what yeah. about the Gatorade He's, color. I'm in for that one. Swift's on Red. Big Gatorade color guy. Okay. Got to cor- um, correlate with the team jersey. That never works, but I like the theory. <laughs> that'll all be up later on. I mean, right it's now. So, it's so early. Yeah, they've got, so you early. know, the just passing, receiving, rushing yards. I was just checking. I had that 18 to 1, um, like a bet before the playoffs for Pacheco to lead the playoffs in rushing. And he's at 254, and McCaffrey is at 188. So he's, I guess, got a 62-yard cushion mm-hmm. on that one at 18 to 1, uh, which would be very, very nice. And uh, all those AFC props came in. Uh, props, I was on the wrong side of both totals. Um, I kind of thought that the Niner defense was not going to allow Detroit to do what they did, and that one actually might ending up under. And then just the way the game way the game went with the Chiefs defense, they just suffocated oh. Baltimore. And that was uh, that was a true field position game. The rest oh, of the there way. It is. Oh, you got you found it. <laughs> so they have yeah post game. They have the Gatorade color. They have the national anthem. I don't even know who's singing it. That seems low, like a low number. But we'll get um, into some research on that over the yeah. We'll get into some research, but. My- but- my favorite thing is like them. three days before the Super Bowl when they're doing rehearsals and there's people standing in the parking lot filming yeah. and everyone's like, oh my God, it's two minutes and 10 yeah. seconds. Bet the over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it truly is a good one. Um, and just yeah. while we're at Cool Bet right now, there's only one game in the NHL tonight. Uh, Nashville at Ottawa. Pick them. Nashville minus 109, Ottawa minus 108. Ottawa had won three in a row. They lost in overtime to Boston. Then they had a rough game on the weekend, giving up seven to a depleted Rangers team. I think I got to ride with Ottawa tonight. 
Are you guys going to tell me differently? Ride with that. Ride with Nashville on this. I Soros is probably in, and I do love Soros. Man, Ottawa's been—they just don't play defense. They get scored on so much. So, although maybe you're going with oh, it's the game before the last game before the break, and they're at home. We're going to take them. It's, it's a pick them, so I don't know. Take your pick. It's, it's not like <laughs> Flip a coin. Not, no, I. I, I like Ottawa. They ever since like the Jets game, kind of two games before and the next couple games after, they were playing really well in like that little stretch. Uh, I think they their most recent game they just lost at home to the New York Rangers, um, and they were like up three two in that game, and then within a blink of an eye, were down five three or something like that. I remember seeing Sen's Twitter kind of melt down on my feed, uh, but they've been playing good hockey as of late outside of. A meltdown to one of the best teams in the league. So yeah, um, I don't. Think I don't it, mind that at all. It was. Uh, I think it was Corpusalo, uh who was in for that. So I think they're going to go with the kid Mad Sogard tonight up against oh, yeah. UC Soros. So yeah, we'll ride with the uh, we'll ride with the Sens tonight. I'm going to throw that out on our Cool Bet lines for our uh, Cool Bet play of the day over at the Cool Bet socials. You can give them a follow at Cool Bet Canada. But uh, it's going to be a light, light week for us when we're picking these games uh tonight one game tomorrow there's two games uh columbus without patrick liney who of course is in the uh, player assistance program they're taking on st louis who's been they're on a bit of a run right now they've actually got themselves back into the wild card spot uh and then the kraken and the sharks uh the kraken sort of fill um wilted a little bit after that incredible what do they have an eight game winning streak but uh it's always nice when you see the Sharks up on the uh, up on the schedule. Wednesday, three games on Wednesday. Uh, Ottawa, Detroit, Kings, Preds, Sharks, Ducks. And it's interesting, Remus, that the Kings are still playing right now. I thought the Kings were in on the break, so the fact that they have another game means they'll have their break afterwards. It just went from bad to worse for L.A. on the weekend. I watched them get their asses handed to them by the avalanche on the weekend. And mm-hmm. I know Drew Brody, we had some fun talking about his cookie night thing. He was terrible. I mean, he just got worked off the puck. No problem in the corner. Bang, bang, bang in the net. Had another one go off of him. Cam Talbot can't make the save. He's going to the all-star game, I think, on a 12-game losing streak. Um, you do wonder at what point something's got to give in L.A. And the names you're hearing right now are Todd McClellan, and Pierre Luc Dubois, basically the uh, the lightning rods for all that's going wrong in LA. Cam Talbot was so hot to start the season and was kind of playing over his head, and he's really fallen back down to earth. I think that's definitely been huge. They don't have the number one goalie; they're not playing very well. And yeah, they got smoked, uh, Colorado, on Friday, and then it was yesterday uh, they were able to hang on for an overtime loss against the St. Louis Blues, who are kind of surging here. So not going well for L.A., and there's people. I just you know, counted up. L.A. Yeah. has two wins in their last 16 games. Yeah, that's not, not good for a team that They might miss have. the playoffs. Yeah, play. <laughs> like, <And> so, <laughs> they really might. <laughs> so we posted uh, on our channel this weekend, like the video of you and Brian Hayes talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, I want to crown remorse. Great title. Yeah, I want to crown it as the most successful video in WST history. Over twenty thousand views. 
on that uh, twenty one thousand now. So that's that's the title. Uh, used to be Jake Evans, the Jake Evans. Um, Mark Shifley hit on him the day after. That was the number one video for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. But no, it's now you and Brian Hayes talking about Pierre Luc Dubois. And someone in our Facebook comments wrote. Who cares about Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg? It's like caring about your ex-girlfriend. And I'm like, actually, according to our according to our YouTube, a lot of our regular viewers do care about Pierre-Luc Dubois. The line from YouTube and the analytics were, views are, now this was before, 4.5 times higher than usual. More regular viewers are choosing to watch it. Helping increase its reach in YouTube. So a lot of people uh, enjoying the aftermath of this trade. I mean, rightful with seeing what's happening with the Jets and now what's happening with the Kings. It's amazing. The Oilers, of course, have won 16 in a row. They're now in 16 in a row. They've just moved into third in the division, which is just mind-boggling considering what their start was like. But I think at one point... The Kings were probably 18, 20 points clear of Edmonton. And now they're five points back of the Oilers. Um, and the Oilers have two games in hand. The Oilers have only played 45 games, which is quite strange. Edmonton and Ottawa, by far the least amount of games played so far. But uh, the Kings in that first wild card right now, 54 points. Um, tied with St. Louis, they're only up because they have one game in hand. And then the Predators are right back, you know, two games, uh, one point back. They have played one more game than St. Louis, two more games than L.A. The Kraken, two points back, and then five points back are Arizona and Calgary, uh, and then another two back are the Minnesota Wild. So um, going to be a very interesting race in the wild card. Pretty clear right now who the teams that seem to be looking good for. I mean, I think the top three in both these divisions is pretty much done. Um, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton. And now can the LA Kings stop the bleeding? Will somebody lose their job before that happens? I guess we will find out over the next coming days. But uh, the Kings do have a game on Wednesday. They've lost four in a row, as I mentioned. Two wins in their last 16 games. It is a disaster. And if you'd like to hear more about that, click on Buyer's Remorse on the Winnipeg Sports Talk page for a conversation from last week with uh, with Brian Hayes. Uh, Connor, great stuff with uh, Jets this week, and uh, great stuff for your team getting to it. We were yeah. hoping we might have two very happy people on the show today, and that's <laughs> the way that it came out. We'll have two weeks to get ready for the big one coming up in Vegas. But there will be only one happy member of this show, or maybe two, I guess, Remus with his NFL hat. He can't lose. So it's, um, it's a big day for the league, just the fact that uh, the Chiefs are in it. Yeah, exactly. But that uh, that'll be fun. But yeah, two weeks that'll be that'll be interesting. Jets weekly. It was it was really fun to put together, despite the fact that they lost all three games. I said at the the WST night before to you guys that that game Saturday was the biggest game for Jets weekly because I didn't want to talk about three losses. But hey, it is what it is. And uh, let me know if you guys agree with my hardest working Jet three stars. Yeah, exactly. Leave a comment uh, in it, YouTubers. Everyone that's with us right now, get over there afterwards and uh, throw a comment in for Connor on the three stars, hardest working jet, and much, much more. That's up at the YouTube channel. And again, podcast listeners available in your podcast feed as well. Usually try and get that up for your Monday morning commute. 
And uh, as I say, that's going to do it for us. We'll have more on the Jets and probably pick up on some of the things we had to talk about with Jeff earlier today with Mike McIntyre um, tomorrow. Um, and we're also going to get into a few. It was a good week to kind of catch up the few other things that maybe we've been slipping on. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to uh, Caitlin Laws, who uh, won the Manitoba Scotties. Looking like a star-studded field for the Scotties coming up, so we'll have to get maybe Ted on, talk about that, and look ahead to uh, that. Maybe a few old Jets on the program. Uh, we're going to have Rob Vadstone on, who's written a book about maskless goalies. He's a huge Jets guy, though. He'll want to talk Jets, as well as the uh, CFL free agency that's coming up. So uh, we'll have plenty. Maybe have to check in with Feinberg as well. I'm interested to see how choked he is that his AFC rivals are, are back in the Super Bowl. Um, we'll have Hacksaw later on, so it should be a great week. But uh, Mike McIntyre will join us tomorrow, I believe, and uh, we'll get the latest on the Jets. And I think kind of start diving in more into realistic trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, kind of coming off of Jeff's uh, visit, what time? How Should the Jets be maybe in a more urgent position, seeing the way they look without Mark Scheifele, despite the fact that he'll be expected to be in the lineup when they head to Pittsburgh? coming up on next Tuesday. Uh, that is going to do it for us, though. Good stuff with Connor and Michael. As always, big thanks to Jeff Hamilton. Shout out to everybody in chat. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't already, if you're with us with YouTube, and make sure you've subscribed. And uh, shout out to all the podcast listeners. And uh, podcast listeners, if you ever uh, get the chance to jump on YouTube, give us a sub over here and check out what we're doing with all the glory of video and Michael Remus's world-class production skills on the program each and every day. Uh, but that is going to do it. One hockey game tonight. Uh, oh, by the way, Royal Rumble. Tough one for me. I was right there with my picks. They got eliminated right at the end. No Jade Cargill, no Gunter. It was Bailey and Cody Rhodes that were the winners. I'm sure Raw will be interesting tonight. Might have to check uh, check that out. But for the meantime, have a great night. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. And thanks to all of you. Enjoy a Monday night. We'll see you back tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of WST with the Jets at the All-Star break. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.